The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. G'day world, this is the Sniper of the Skies, Robbie Eagles, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to episode 300 Of Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcast on the social suplex podcast network jim dobbin here with the young boy josh smith on today's show we will air our latest interview with our good friend rocky romero and cover all this news in the world of new japan pro wrestling please support our show by subscribing and following the social suplex podcast network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview you can also get all the network's podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. Frequently updated and with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPWWorld to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? We are on the precipice of a life-altering hurricane just mere hours away right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We, we could be, uh, you know, blown off the planet at any second now. But we're here delivering what the people want, what the people need. The longest-running weekly episodic <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. That's right. We're here. Episode 300. Listen, bro, while you've been gone, I've put the shows out. I've looked at the numbers. <laughs> they look strong, but for some reason, I don't know if it has something to do with algorithms or my inactivity. Like, the interaction and engagement online is, like, null, zilch, zero. I don't know if I did the shit right. I'm not that tech savvy, <laughs> but we got the shows done. 
I recorded with guests. They made air, although <laughs> you wouldn't know that, Jeremy, because I talked to this man. You know how I know he was busy? He didn't watch the the end of the G1. <laughs> and he didn't listen to his favorite podcast, keeping it strong style at all while he was gone. You know, fuck yeah. me. Fuck the All-Star Junior Festival. <laughs> I did see the episodes. They downloaded. They came out. So I, I knew that the shows were happening. I saw, you know, uh, Chris Samsa and uh, Floyd Johnson were on. So shout out to those guys for uh, filling in for me when I was out. But, you know, man, uh, most of the trip, I, I was on a on a boat on the cruise. I didn't have much uh, Wi-Fi. <laughs> Don't you ever forget. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I didn't, didn't have much uh, access to the Internet for a, a large part of the trip. So, uh, yeah, I, d- I did not watch the semifinals or finals of the G1 Climax yet. Uh, obviously, I do know the results. I heard that they are match of the year contenders. So, obviously, I, I will watch them, obviously, before we uh, do our year in awards and vote. But, yeah, thanks, you know, Josh, for a great job holding it down, making sure the episodes go out, getting us here to uh, 300. Yeah, I, I, I do what I can. I, I took this podcast collectively, put it on my back, and I carried it. <laughs> like uh, the cross that it was. I bared the cross of keeping it strong style, and it was heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh man, so much has happened. <laughs> I know a, a, a lot's happened since <laughs> I have been in the UK, all over uh, the wrestling world. Obviously, a lot of stuff in uh, New Japan, but uh, we know we got a lot of stuff here for you today. We're gonna uh, about to throw to our, our interview with Rocky Romero, but uh, before we do that, I mean, Josh, man, three hundred episodes. A- any thoughts? Any comments? Any feelings uh, about getting to this point? You know, we've done the whole, you know, I love you, you love me, we love everybody <laughs> podcast before. We've, we've had people, you know, send in the video or the audio comments, yada, yada, blase, blase. Like, we're here. We're giving it to you, you know. Whether thanks. you want it or not. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get paid off your podcast download whether you want to. Or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, I love doing the show. You know, New Japan's going strong. I feel firmly, firmly emboldened in my love and passion for <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe stronger than it ever has after this past weekend's events. Let's just put it at that. So I don't see the podcast going anywhere anytime soon. As long as, you know... North American pro wrestling is going to stay in the shambles that it is right now. <laughs> yeah, obviously, great if you love doing keeping a strong style. Uh, happy that we're here to, to episode uh, 300. Thank you for everybody who's downloaded and supported over the, the last 300 episodes. And we're going to keep on doing it, especially with uh, New Japan. The way it's going right now, things are looking great. we got a young, hot roster coming up. A lot of great stuff for the future for New Japan. Sonata versus Evil, big main event on the horizon. <laughs> big main event. <laughs> oh my gosh! So that was one of the things I was worried about. Like right, right before I like lost connection. Like I saw like Evil uh, get into like the semifinals. I was like, they they can't do Evil and Naito. They can't. Were you, do- <laughs> were you worried that he might win the G one? I, I, I didn't think they would do that, but I was worried that, that they would have done Evil Naito in the finals. Oh, my God. Yeah, but 
Oh, yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about G1, but uh, let's go to our interview with our good friend Rocky Romero. So we did record this last month uh, right at the beginning of the G1, but it's still a very evergreen interview. There's a lot of stuff that are, that's still very relevant. Like we said a couple weeks ago, I think it's one of our best interviews we've done with Rocky. It's our third interview with Rocky. So you're going to hear uh, a lot of great stuff. So uh, let's throw to that interview. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style, getting ready to celebrate episode 300, and with tradition, every 100 episodes, we bring on the former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, the former eight-time IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion, the current NWA Historic Welterweight Champion, Kazuchika Okada's best friend, and our Good friend, Rocky Romero. Rocky, how you doing, man? I'm feeling good. What's up, Jeremy? What's up, young boy? Congratulations on your 300th episode. That's that's fucking amazing. I mean, we're talking shop. There's no way we would ever hit 300 <laughs> episodes. You can barely get like three a year done. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, it just it was a wild idea back in 2017, and. We've been kicking every week ever since then. So, yeah, it's been a wild ride. I mean, kudos to you guys. I mean, I know how hard podcasting is. I feel like nobody really understands what a commitment it is, you know, every week to do it every week and how hard it is to get everybody together, get on the same page, put, you know, life in the way, work and everything else that comes with it. So, um, you know, congratulations. It's obviously huge. That's all, that's all true. The hardest part, though, and we appreciate that, but the hardest part is getting the money from the marks t- to pay for this. That's the <laughs> hardest part. So, I, thank God when I had a podcast, it was with the Good Brothers, and they're great at getting money out of people. Oh, I'm sure they are. So, yeah. <laughs> they're like professionals at it, you know, myself included. So, um, so yeah, no, I totally understand that. So, for, uh, we should say, if, if you guys want to donate, right, you guys got a, a donation deal going on, I'm yeah, sure, right? that's right. Yeah, people can go to socialsuitflex.com slash donate. Click on the Keep take, It Strong Style link. Boom. Take three minutes. Head over there. Click on the link. Donate. Give them all your money. At least like 150 <laughs> bucks ahead, at least. At least. There's a lot of work that goes into this. Yeah. <laughs> So awesome. Well, we are glad to have you here. And uh, we got a couple questions we want to um, shoot at you. Um, Jeremy, I know you were going to start, but I, I jumped over you. A no, little no, bit go there. for it. You kick it off. Get off. So, um, Rocky, what can you tell us about your day to day role with NJPW right now? My day to day. Um, my day to day. Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, I help out wherever I can. I feel like, um, kind of a man of a thousand jobs under this company. Um, You know, it could go as far as like, um, you know, scouting for new talent, you know, so I'm always kind of like trying to check out and see like, you know, in the indie scene, like who's popping and who's, you know, GCW booking, because they're obviously a pretty huge indie and they've got a great eye for talent. So I always look for people I can possibly steal, Um, you know, (laughs) as well, like, uh, but yeah, I'm always checking, you know, Twitter and stuff just to see, you know, who's going viral, like, wh- you know, who are people talking about, um, you know, like when we had strong, I was pretty influential and in, in getting, you know, opening the doors for a lot of people, uh, you know, locally in California and as well, you know, outside as well. So, um, so yeah, a little bit less of that now, since we got a pretty full roster 
And, um, you know, when we did have strong, I mean, there's a, a plethora of talent that, you know, we would like to get over to Japan, or at least I would, um, if I could. And uh, so, you know, it, it's a little harder nowadays because there's not as many spots, especially on, you know, the strong pay-per-views and stuff in the U.S. But um, besides that, yeah, I'm a go-between between AEW and New Japan. Uh, you know, some of that includes helping out with, like, stardom when they have certain things that they want to do like for example they wanted to send utami to america and it was kind of like last second and uh you know so i was the go between between gcw is the go between between uh AEW, of course and uh as well imp as well as impact i work a lot with scott and um going back and forth between the companies and you know even so much as helping out with the tv deal and opening that door uh, I see Malel as well. So I'm kind of like just like the general ambassador of New Japan. I feel like that's like a good way to put it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of shit every day. A lot of text <laughs> messaging, a lot of fucking emails. I'm really bad at emails. People don't understand like uh, when I don't get back to them or if it takes a while to get back to them, it's just like most of my days like in the moment, you know, because I may get a, you know, a call from Tony Khan and he'll be like, hey, you know, I'm trying to get this person for you know, fucking Wednesday or something, you know, so I'm like <laughs> scrambling, trying to figure that out, you know? Um, so yeah, it's always kind of like, you know, my, I have to prioritize a little bit um, depending on what's going on. Uh, what else do I do? I wrestle sometimes, which is nice. <laughs> That's like the easy and fun part of my job. I wish I could do more of it, especially in Japan. Uh, it's just been really hard um, because I'm juggling all this stuff. And because a lot of times I need to be around in the States and on the, in the same time zone and, you know, and, you know, we do have new Japan strong shows, which I help out a lot, you know, behind the scenes. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I haven't been able to get over to Japan as much. I wasn't able to do the super junior, which I really, really wanted to do the last two years. Um, so I don't know, I'm, I hope I'm hopeful for next year, but the way the schedule is looking, I'm sure we're going to have some U S shows. So I probably won't be on it. But um, but yeah, that would be like huge to to head back and and actually do a tour. I'm like missing Japan and missing the food and missing the culture of you know being on tour and hanging out and not you know because I can just like focus on what I love and that's you know wrestling in the ring, you know. Yeah, and you you kind of touched on what we we're going to talk about next. So yeah, you mentioned also you're still wrestling and you know this year's been a big year for partnerships for New Japan. You like you mentioned Impact, AEW. We've seen a lot with CMLL, and you still might not seem a lot to you, but you have been wrestling a lot, I feel like, especially in other promotions. You're doing a lot of what we call excursion work, having a lot of great matches all across the world, and I'll see more excursion stuff than you're doing in Japan. So that mainly just because of you were saying it's kind of being in the States, uh, being a lot easier and doing these kind of quick shots to Mexico and across the U.S. versus going to doing tours in Japan. Yeah, I've been... Busy as hell. It's been really hard. <laughs> it's been tough because, like, I just did like a crazy world tour where we like, I went to Chicago pre, um, pre Forbidden Door, then went to Toronto for like four days, then went to Mexico for like a week, and then jumped on a plane and went to um, to Japan for like six days or something, and then and then came back, went straight to New York the same day as I landed from Japan. Um, so you know, it's been it's been hectic. But I'm grateful that I get the opportunity to to go and wrestle all these different places 
and like, you know, mingle with different people and different talents. Um, I feel like that's super important for kind of like my job and in, in scouting. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty grateful to do that. And, and, uh, I'm having fun. I am having a lot of fun. I mean, the travel sucks, but I'm having a great time in the ring and, uh, Mexico has been so good to me in the last, uh, what, six months, eight months, you know, uh, I've kind of, you know, I always had a dream to, you know, wrestle in the main events in arena, Mexico. And, uh, but you also be like featured or a featured player uh in, in those main events and being able to headline uh big shows and and big pay-per-views i mean that's been super incredible so i feel like um also just being able to help cmll and like pointing eyes towards it outside of mexico right because i mean they, they do great business within mexico city and and mexico obviously but um I feel like the world isn't really watching them as much as like they could be or should be because CML is a great product. They have great wrestlers. It's just nobody's seeing it. Right. So mm-hmm. I think by me being involved and, and, and being there, um, you know, I, you know, cause I, I feel like I do have a pretty, you know, I'm not like the most popular wrestler wrestler, but like I have a voice that, that I think kind of guides people sometimes towards different products and especially uh, being on the AEW TV, being, you know, an impact here and there and being in New Japan all the time that like it definitely helps to be like, oh, Rocky's doing this CML thing. Like maybe I'll catch a clip of it, you know. So, um, yeah, the stuff with Volador has been insane. Uh, that's been like super fun. And um, yeah, I'm kind of like I'm definitely living my dream and, and and having fun doing it. I, you know, I just I just missed Japan, I guess, <laughs> in the long term. <laughs> So um, speaking of the the Mexico run, you know, you've been working in CMLL, as you mentioned, you uh, won that longstanding title that uh, Volador held, you know, it's the World Historic Welterweight title. I've always called it the Volador World title because he held it for literally almost a decade on and off. And then um, you had this incredible feud with him and you defeated him in your two major matches. A lot of people were kind of counting you out in the final one. They thought he was going to you know, have this heroic win on the way back and you ended up beating him. Um, talk a little bit more about that as well as, you know, they just had their fantastic mania the first time that they've done a fantastic mania. And, and beyond that, what's next, what's on the horizon for you and CMLL and I guess new Japan. Yeah. So like, well, first of all, like I, I didn't think I would ever be, in a CML ring again. I mean, I kind of fucked them over in a way. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so just to be in CML for me is a, is a pretty funny thing and kind of a big deal because I, I definitely never thought I would be back in that company. I talked a lot of shit on the way out in, uh, whatever it was like 2009 or 10 or whatever. And, um, when I jumped to AAA, I, you know, I had, uh, they had given me this, uh, character called gray shadow. I jumped to AAA, took that fucking mask off, threw it down, <laughs> a la Eddie Guerrero. So, uh, so yeah, I was just trying to, you know, like trying to live like my hero. I'm like, well, Eddie did it. I'm gonna fucking do it too. That shit's cool. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, to completely burn that bridge, and then uh, I spent some time in AAA. It sucked, terrible. And then I, uh, I, ju- you know, I finally found my way back to New Japan. The whole point of me going to CML back like in 2007 or eight was to go back to new japan because i was working for noah and i wanted to get out of noah and go back to new japan but they wouldn't let me go directly they were like just 
cock blocking completely. <laughs> so, uh, so I, of course, my dumbass goes to CMLL, does all this shit. Uh, everybody's pissed at me. And then I can't go back to New Japan because I'm working for AAA. So we finally quit AAA. Thank God New Japan took me back. And, uh, you know, I've been there ever since. But, um, you know, long story short, but, uh, you know, so when I got the call to come last year for the CML Grand Prix, which is like their big August-like show, it's CML versus the world. They get like eight to ten different wrestlers on both sides to go against each other in this huge, like, um, never-ending Cibernetico tournament, yeah, <laughs> which could go for like an hour. It's pretty sick. It's pretty cool. I mean, like, <laughs> they have um, the Mexican army shows up, and they do, like, this, like, crazy ceremony before it. I mean, it's really awesome. Uh, so um, to be – when I got the call for that, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is obviously pretty a pretty big deal. And I think that it's only because of the CMLL New Japan relationship and that um, obviously I've been contracted in New Japan for a long time now, and I'm not going anywhere. So it's like – Oh, I think they can finally trust Rocky that he's not going to screw over CMLL. But um, so uh, yeah, I did that. Never thinking, I don't think that they thought that um, I, you know, I would probably do any more dates. It was just this one, kind of one-time thing. But um, I figured out. I did this press conference, con- like online, with a bunch of uh, media from Mexico, and they kept asking me about Volador. So mm. I, I immediately was like, oh, okay, they, they won't. They the, the media wants me to talk about Volador, so let me fucking go in on Volador. <laughs> so then I, I just started going into talking so much shit. Like, I was thinking, I was like, okay, like, this is all happening fast, like, in real time. I'm like, I need to, I need to Conor McGregor this motherfucker and just, like, just talk as much shit as I could possibly do. And start, at least, at least, at least we'll have, I'll have something interesting going into the, into the, uh, into the show, right? Uh, not really thinking much of it. And I think because it stirred up so much controversy and there was like, uh, you know, the media really picked up on it because they kind of wanted it, right? Um, that it just, this angle just kind of came out of nowhere and just kind of bloomed out of, out of the whole thing. So, uh, you know, I became like the number one heel of this whole thing. I mean, we have, you know, some amazing talkers and especially people who speak Spanish much better than I do, like Lindsay Dorada mm. and Jay Rios and guys. So it's like... Um, messias you know so uh but i i went in there and you know i was like man you know like this might be my last and final chance to mm. do something really big on a on a big stage because it's probably not going to happen in new japan right so like this will be my moment right so i just went in there and tried to steal the show and i think i did completely you know and it, it was so unconventional to like the ways that they normally do it, everybody's so respectful and da 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 da. And I was like, I'm not going to be fucking respectful. I'm going to be Muhammad Ali, you know. I'm going to talk as much shit as I can. So, uh, so it was super fun. And then uh, out of that, I think because it was such a hit, they were like, oh, okay, there's something here to, you know, Rocky and Volador. And uh, I wasn't expecting that, you know, I would win the title. I figured that I would just go and lose to Volador like I always do to, you know, for everybody <laughs> go in there, do the J O B get paid and get the fuck out. And, uh, and, uh, no, they, they, they told me, um, you know, like we ended up making, I think we made two finishes cause we didn't know the finish. They like to tell you at the last second, like super old school. They're so old school. <laughs> so, uh, they told me, they're like, Oh yeah, you're, you're winning. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, Oh shit. That means I'm coming back. Okay. So I want to see where this is going to go, you know? So, um, so yeah, then they had me back. I mean, uh, you know, we, we did that 
match and i think in like late january and um it was like you know it was so funny because usually those shows are behind like a paywall where you have to like get on ticketmaster.com mexico or something and like pay for it but um for some reason it was like not and it was on free <laughs> on on youtube which just made it explode even more so like yeah yeah so it was like cool because like i'm trying to like check the numbers after like to see like compare how this match is doing against like everything else that cmail puts out on youtube and we just blew everything away for like x amount of years i mean so um and then like just for that i mean Meltzer put it over really big mm-hmm. um i know you guys have talked about it so it's like uh all, all you guys kind of helped propel it even more and i think that that was kind of like what i had hoped was to bring eyes to CMLL. And I think like with that first match, it definitely helped out a lot. And uh, and then, yeah, just kept going from there. And then I was like hoping, God, I want to be a part of this homenaje de, de dos leyendas. And I was I was thinking, man, I would love to be in a hair versus hair match. And yeah. uh, it finally boiled over. I would have loved to do it when it was just like singles, just me and Volador, but um, they had other ideas because I think that everybody thought I was going to lose anyway. So they added Oracle, they added Angel de Waro. So um, that kind of changed the dynamic of it a little bit. It was a good match. Um, I, I do kind of wish that it was one on one because I think that's what the people really wanted. And then this time, this last time against Volador, I expected to lose I, as well. <laughs> I was going and thinking, all right, the run is done. Rocky's done in Mexico. But, um, surprise surprise another five minutes before it's like okay no we made two finishes and uh, i'm still here i'm still champ so uh, maybe i'm gonna hold it for the next eight years i don't know you know <laughs> maybe i'm gonna be maybe i'm gonna go 10 years i don't know um and then yeah roll into fantastic mania um because i had heard a couple maybe like maybe like six months ago that they wanted to do fantastic mania and i wasn't really like involved in any of the um and the deals for that or anything that was kind of already in place but i definitely was not expecting to be the headliner over like naito and all these people so i was like i made sure to talk as much shit after the show <laughs> to be like hey naito yeah, okay <laughs> a little stupid and low zingo uh i'm a, i'm the big man here you know so um yeah, that was so pretty funny. cool to, yeah it's cool to it's cool to like Headline overnight though, where I'm usually like the first match fucking job boy in uh, in New Japan, you know. So, um, but yeah, so like it, it's crazy. I just like literally became like the number one heel in the company, and I feel like every I know that every time I'm there, the houses are like super good. So I think like whatever I'm doing and whatever they're kind of doing is really working, and um, you know, and I think that there's still a lot of uh, of, of stuff to do because i just work i only work with volador really i haven't worked with mystico i haven't worked with masco dorada uh 2.0 uh, <laughs> i haven't worked with metallic I've, i mean uh soberano i haven't worked with any of these guys so i feel like there's um there's a lot of room left to go and uh if they if they wanted to go that route you know I, you know as long as I'm going to be in new japan i would love to keep going to mexico and 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 doing that and 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 I'm having fun. I'm having like a blast because I'm getting to do, I get to be a wrestler and I don't have to be like doing a, a million other things. I can just focus in on, on what I love. Yeah. I mean, the run in Mexico has been awesome to watch. And yeah, starting from January, that first match at Volador, 
that was just an epic. That's, that's going to be on a lot of people's like match of the year when they're voting on the mm-hmm. Observer Awards and Voices of Wrestling year end poll. So yeah, the, the Mexico run's been a ton of fun. Um, I really want to see the Fantastic Mania. I know it's kind of it's blocked on just for Japan users right now on mm-hmm. New Japan World. Um, so definitely want to be able to check that out. And yeah, just loving the partnership there. Uh, so kind of shifting gears now. Um, you know, ever since we've been doing this show, one question that we used to get all the time was who is the mole in chaos? And a lot of people are always concerned about the state of chaos, Okada's leadership. So what, what is the state of chaos? I mean, it seems like the last couple of years, it's kind of been a, a few. Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> it's chaotic as always. I mean, that's, I feel like chaos is the only group that everybody like you started new Japan and then you immediately turn your back on chaos with the, <laughs> the first second that you get, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, who's going to stop you? You know, like, Yano, Yano doesn't give a fuck. You know? like, <laughs> Yano's out trying to sell you products all night, you know? So, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think it's funny. Um, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, should I turn my back on chaos? You know, one of these days? <laughs> I was like, if I really want to get pushed, I feel like I got to turn my back on chaos, you know? Um, but uh, no, I love, I, it's so funny. Like, I love everybody, like all the guys in chaos. They're, they're just, they're all so solid. They're, they're great wrestlers. I just, I'm like with the fans. I just wish that there was more of like a cohesiveness or like a thread between the group still that, you know, or dissolve the group and let's completely start over. You know, I'm kind of, I, I kind of feel like chaos could be dissolved at this point, everybody just kind of go their own separate ways, like kind of like Suzuki Goon did, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that would be cool and it would be fresh. And um, I don't think we'd be losing anything, you know, b- besides some like really fun, you know, DVDs that Yano makes, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, there's been a lot of faction shakeup this year. And it seems like Chaos is pretty much kind of fused with Hantai. You guys are teaming with Tanahashi and, and Umino and all those kind of guys. So it kind of seems like a chaos and Hantai is kind of one. So, yeah, I think breaking the unit up and sending guys into other units or creating new units. Let's let's start a, a Rocky Goon and let, let's, you know, shake them things up. <laughs> I try to get some some more royalty checks, so I'm all about it. You know? I feel like we've, we've, we've already, like, you know, tapped the well with the chaos. So I feel like we need some new, uh, you know, we need some new merch. We need a new name. And, and I think that would uh, add some freshness to everybody that's involved you know i you know uh, obviously you know i keep bishamon together because they're awesome they're like oh yeah the new the new 10 koji you mm-hmm. know I, I feel like they're that kind of team and um obviously ishi doesn't really need anybody you know i mean he can just be in hontai i feel like i feel like okada though is a good figurehead for a group and he should definitely have his own players you know i feel like he needs that and um he needs to get, you know, obviously he needs a good supporting cast. And uh, I feel like, a, a, but something new and I feel like, you know, let him make whatever he wants. You know, I feel like yeah. let him name the group, let him make the group, you know, his idea. Whether, it'd be cool if it was like, if he wasn't fucking up all these young guys, like it'd be cool <laughs> if Okada was the leader of just a young, you know, a, a, a young guy kind of faction or young boy faction. You could be including that young boy. And, um, uh, but yeah, I, I think that would be cool. Um, Yano should just be Yano. You know, he's just a part of Hontai. I don't, you know, he doesn't need to be heel or anything. I feel like he's too fun. Um, and then, yeah, I guess 
I mean, I would have been down with Los Ingo, but Naito hates me. You know? He just <laughs> fucking despises me. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's probably because he took his 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 main spot. event. That's why. <laughs> you took his payday. Good point. Yeah, but good it, point. It, it's it's funny um, that you say that uh, Okada should be the the guy at the the limelight and at the the figurehead because there's a an entire you know swath of fans that totally disagree and they they think he's the worst leader there's ever been. <laughs> but uh, going what did Shinsuke do? Shinsuke didn't do anything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But um, kind of kind of shifting over to Okada, recently at the um, Forbidden Door event, he main evented against uh, someone else that you have a lot of history with, Brian Danielson, and he unfortunately was tapped out by Brian Danielson, who had also suffered a broken arm in that match. So give us your thoughts on that and, you know, kind of what your, your feelings were, especially with the history with those two guys and what you see for the future. So, I mean, the coolest moment, for me, because I, I was sitting backstage and me and Orange Cassidy were watching it. And uh, like from the, the backstage monitor, like right behind, just so we could make sure we could hear the, the crowd, you know? Yeah. And um, I didn't know Danison was coming out to, um, to uh, what's the song? Final uh, Countdown. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. So like immediately after that, I just like chilled, you know? <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's going on? I was like, I did not know that they got the rights to that song. So, um, so you knew it was just going to be like a special, obviously it was going to be a special moment, but like, then it was like, you were in it, you know, and it's unfortunate that Brian broke his arm, uh, you know, like halfway through, because obviously, I mean, it was still a great match. And, and, um, what I do love though, is the fact that with that ending too, there's more that you could do with that story, whether it be Mm -hmm. a forbidden door next year or wherever it goes, I feel like, um, they haven't hit their pinnacle yet of those two. It was, it was like the perfect first time meeting, you know, it was like, that's exactly what a first time meeting should be between like two, you know, major wrestlers and leave a little on the table and a little meat on the bone so that you could really go in on the next one. So, um, you know, I don't know when that'll be, but, uh, you know, I, I hope that it happens in the next year or so, you know, uh, obviously like, you know, Brian has a hard style and, you know, I feel like it's, you know, starting to catch up a little bit. So, you know, sooner is better than later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of fans are hoping that happens at Wrestle Kingdom uh, this coming January uh, for a big rematch. Um, I think if it happened, I would love to see that happen in Japan too, because they'll they'll just have so much more space to do mm -hmm. what they want to do and how they'll do it and how the fans will react, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that like I mean Forbidden Door is pretty special like in, in in when it comes to like fan reactions because it's like the most hardcore fans watching yeah. the product who love both products or you know who really love um, wrestling so um, not not to take away from that but I feel like there's just something special right about the aura of Japan and like them meeting in Japan and how they would probably structure their match and do their match compared to how they would do it uh, for an American crowd so. Um, yeah, that would be that would be nuts to have Brian, you know, on a big show or Tokyo Dome or whatever if if it does happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and earlier, you know, you you mentioned uh, Eddie Guerrero being your hero and wanting to be like him. And you know, we all know that you at one point were Black Tiger, and that's when you you won the IWGP Junior Championship. Uh, so, whatever happened to Black Tiger and that whole role? 
Me as yeah. Black Tiger? Yeah. Well, no, you, you guys had you guys had a feud going on back last year, and he just disappeared. What happened? Yeah, dude, he left the territory, and then he retired. <laughs> <laughs> he got his win over me, and then he fucking took off. You know, <laughs> it's like the story of my life. You know, I can't keep a partner. That's the whole problem. You know, I can't keep a tag team partner. Can't keep a rival. Um, no. Um, Wait, so what's the exact question? Is it about black t- my black tiger? Like me as black tiger? Or what are we talking about here? Yeah, kind of or both. are we talking about? Kind of both. Okay. It seemed like that storyline was leaning into maybe you getting the mask back and maybe being black tiger again. So maybe some newer fans might not know about your history as black tiger. So let me touch on that a little bit. And then this the, the feud gotcha. with the new black tiger from Strong. Yeah, so um, yeah, they asked me to be black tiger. And at first I was like, me? are you serious? Like me? Like, that's what you want to be like? <laughs> I was like, but uh, obviously it was like a huge honor because yeah, I, I love Eddie Guerrero. And um, obviously like there's that lineage and cool history, you know, Tiger Mask is such an influential piece of, of the new Japan puzzle, you know, since, you know, the early eighties or mid eighties. And um, so to kind of be in that lineage and just to be thought of, of like one of these great, wrestlers you know that kind of dons the mask is uh is, is pretty wild to think about and I, I never imagined in my life that i would be able to have you know such an uh a, a a cool moment like that and then um yeah as for strong um yeah i mean i i kind of had this idea of, of wanting to work with a black tiger and i just was like thinking of who i could work with and it was like oh somebody from my past would make the most sense, you know? So like, it would be cool if it was like Ricky Reyes and, you know, and, uh, you know, we never got to fully pay off the story, but, um, if we, you know, maybe one day, maybe not, maybe not, I don't know, <laughs> but, um, I would love to be able to just pay it off. And, um, and I also wanted to like see Ricky Reyes there just because he was such a big, influential part in the beginning of my career you know and and you know he went through it when i went through it in the beginning and how tough it was so i just kind of wanted to just also be like hey man thanks you know like this would be a cool moment for both of us you know to to kind of have and and uh and and um i don't know i i just wish we would have been able to tell the story all the way and like actually finish the story the way i'd hoped but uh Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Yeah, just things happen, bookings happen, dates happen. You know, life happens. You know, he's he's got um a family and a and a young child, and and uh, you know, I I I completely understand why he's now taking the time. And and uh, I saw his post, and and I, I had uh, I messaged him back, and and just said like, hey, I, you know, that's awesome because he's you know he's got a young one who's going to wrestling, and like you know going to football and they play sports you know so like why you know at some point you don't want to do this on your weekends you know this is fun and it's great but like you know that's time that you'll never be able to get back you know when when your kids are young you know so uh i completely get it but um but yeah i don't know maybe maybe there'll be a cool blow off if you know strong weekly strong ever comes back then you know maybe there'll be a a chance to to kind of uh get that storyline in at some point Nice. So right now, uh, as we mentioned, we're recording for the 300th episode, peeling back the curtain a little bit. We're, we're recording several, you know, basically we're four days into the G1 right now. By the time this airs, the G1 will have ended. 
But since it's ongoing at this moment, uh, can you give us any quick thoughts about the ongoing G1 and also weigh in on the Rewa Musketeers because everybody else has done it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I've seen the first two shows. I I just started the third show. um, So I'm I'm still trying to catch up a little bit. Uh, I thought the first two shows are really, really solid. Uh, I loved the just what Gabe Kidd is doing and how he's kind of like not playing by the rules, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the conventionally in any kind of way. And I, I feel like that's the kind of way, you know, that's what you need to do sometimes to get people to take notice. Right. So I, I you know, I, I applaud him in the way that he's doing it. And, um, uh, obviously like, yeah, I'm just kind of like super excited for all these like young guys and first comers in the tournament to like get these opportunities and, so far they've been doing great you know i I saw shingo and uh and eddie i thought that was really good um they you know hard-hitting type of all japanish match and then you know you're seeing him throw the kobashi chops and then you see like shingo start throwing the tenru punches you know and the chops so back and forth i don't know so like you know old school head like me it's like oh this is fucking cool you know (laughs) um so uh, i don't know if everybody gets that but like you know I, i know like the hardcore fans do and um who else is like I'm excited for? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we'll get down the road. I thought, oh, was it who who wrestled Pana in the second day? Uh, Saber. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was good too. That was good too. And I thought Kevin Kelly and and Chris did a great job of like telling the story of Tana and like in a slightly different way than like. Every year I feel like, oh, this, you know, it's always the same thing. Like, this is going to be Tana's last G1, you know, this is going to be it. It's like, dude, everywhere. You should, we all know now that, like, the ace ain't going anywhere. He's, you know, he's just, um, I feel like he he's at a moment right now, like a, like a, a really important moment where he's like, like a Chris Jericho. Like, he needs to find a way to slightly reinvent himself in a new way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I feel like everybody's kind of waiting for it. So I, I'm curious, you know, I want to see it happen. You know, I want to see like maybe him adopt a new finisher, you know, or something like completely fresh um, that would give him a little, uh, uh, you know, something a little different so that he, when he does do the high fly flow, you know, like it's like Mudo, right? He had to switch to the uh, the Shining Wizard, that yeah. it is a really big deal. But um, because every time he goes up, we're like, everybody's like, oh shit, is he going to make it this time? <laughs> But um, but he's still the fucking man, though, you know. And I was like, I was watching that match. I was like, oh shit, this is like he's doing cool stuff to the arm that I've never seen before. I'm gonna steal all this now because <laughs> that's all my matches are. So, so um, I was excited about that. Yeah, and I think Zach's like maybe for me top ten wrestlers in the world right now. He's mm. so fucking on another level. Mm. It's just not even funny and. And to watch him having so much fun as being like the the head man for Team DK, like you can see how much he's enjoying himself. And um, it used to just be like angry Zach, right? But now it's like funny, fun and angry Zach. And so it's like the two Zach Sabers, like pre Suzuki Goon, mixed in with the the Zach from Suzuki Goon. So like it's cool to see that uh, you know him kind of develop in and finding him, you know, a new part of himself. So. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, so far, I'm pretty stoked about the G1. Uh, like I said, I'm really, really intrigued by 
the young guys. Oh, Shota versus uh, Narita was sick. Yeah, yeah, was great really good. It was really, really good. I was surprised because you never know what you're going to get out of that match. Like, obviously, it's going to be hot, but like the crowd was like really into both of them. And then because mm-hmm. you think like, oh, maybe they're only going to be into Shota, but not Narita because Narita's not like the most flashy guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and Shota's like super flash, so it's like you know how are they gonna be and uh i don't know it was just awesome and it got me really excited about the future it really got me excited about where new japan will be in five years to ten years and when you you talk about the the reiwa three musketeers it's like obviously i kind of i'm in agreement. like if it was me i'd be pissed off too to be even called that you know because I wouldn't want to be able to make my own road, but also right. it's kind of, it's also kind of an honor in a way. It's like, you know, like becoming black tiger four, it's like somebody saying like, Hey, no, they, we're saying like, we want, we're going to invest in you in the long term, you know, yeah. in a way. So it's like, um, I don't know. I just love everybody talking shit on each other. I love yeah. like, the fans being pissed off about it. <laughs> it was like, Dude, I don't know who came up with that, but it was a great idea and a great way to announce it. And it just like created more controversy and more angles and more storyline out of out of all just besides like, hey, these two young guys don't like each other. It's like, no, but now give them a more reason to talk shit on each other. And now they fucking hate each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I think Suji, for me, Suji is going to be the top, I, I think, in my opinion. I think... I think, uh, I mean, obviously Shota's like, of course, he's he's great and he's going to be the charismatic-ish one, you know, the classic charismatic guy, you know, like maybe in that, maybe Tana or Muto kind of way, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously like Narita's in the kind of, he doesn't need this type of role, but, um, but Suji, I feel like, yeah, he, I guess he would follow more of like that. But I mean, it's almost like following Naito in a way who's not a part of that. You know, I feel like he is the complete wild card, but I, I think that he's going to be the key ingredient ingredient in the whole mix. And then you've got, and not to leave any of these guys out, but I think Gabe Kidd and Coughlin, uh, you got to put in there as well because, you know, we haven't even seen what Coughlin can really do. And he's kind of just finding himself, mm-hmm. um, you know, just turning heel. You know, he, this is a guy who never drank, you know, before he met the, the rest of those LA Dojo. <laughs> you know, so like he's finding himself, I think, in general, but now finding himself on, on how he can be a heel because, you know, he's obviously like a super gifted athlete and wrestler, you know. So um, once he figures that out, I think he, he's going to be someone to watch. And then Gabe, obviously, who has a ton more experience than he does, um, is just just needs the platform, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um so yeah, I don't want to leave those guys out of it because I think that they're very much a part of the of the ingredients that are going to make this next generation extremely important. You know? Yeah. Um, another guy in the G1 is one of your longtime rivals, El Fantasmo. Uh, how mm. do you how do you feel about his recent attitude change and him, you know, trying to you know recoup for all the evil he's done over the years? I think it's very sweet. I think it's very sweet. <laughs> he never fucking once apologized to me, though. Mm. Not at all. He hasn't <laughs> sent me 
chocolates or anything and like not even a text message but um no i think um man i'm i feel like we're lucky to have Fantasmo on the roster like mm. completely because he's so well-rounded in so many ways like he's the type of guy you know you, you can put him in any situation in any spot you need a five-star match you need somebody to just go balls to the wall he's that guy if you need to put him in the first or second match and just have him go out there and entertain and have fun he's that guy so he's kind of like you know he I, I wonder if it'll hurt him too much it being so good at everything mm-hmm. that you know just I, I hope that they can keep the direction and the focus on him because and and he's so over as a baby face yeah he's so, which is so crazy how over he is as a baby face but it just goes to show how you how entertaining he is and um and what you know obviously he's a fantastic wrestler at that as well so um and I love that the fact that he um he's getting this kind of Eddie Guerrero ish kind of uh baby face turn right where like he's you know every once in a while he might have to dip back into his you know little bag of tricks to to, you know to to win a match yeah and i I love that you know i love that kind of stuff so um because i don't like when it's just all of a sudden you're just a good guy it's like you just spent six years being a bad guy and being a terrible person and trying to be the worst person that you'd possibly be. It ain't going to be that fucking easy, you know? Right. It's like still giving back to the storytelling that you, that you, um, that you already told, you know, which I think is really cool. And, uh, I think he's, and he's a super, super, super smart guy who gets professional wrestling. So I hope he stays with new Japan for a long time. Cause I, I think that he can really rise up to that level of you know being in big main events consistently you know i i think that he could definitely do that and i think that just with time that'll happen you know with uh your involvement with new japan strong one of the foundations of that project was the la dojo and recently the la dojo kind of transitioned to this new format where it's like the njpw academy um Tell us about, you know, that shift and that change and, you know, what that means for New Japan, I guess, going forward. Um, you know, it's uh, it's business, you know. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, it's usual business. You know, in, instead of going to the route where, like, the, one of the biggest problems in New Japan now is, like, we have a lot of great wrestlers and a lot of great wrestlers under contract. So... We don't necessarily like, I feel like the U S doesn't need a yearly or even bi-yearly like uh, process where we take an intake of guys and, 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 and develop them and do the whole thing because um, a Japan is doing so much of it right now, mm-hmm. the heavy lifting in that. And, and also like, it just, it's a different system and it's just, it takes longer. And it, yeah, I don't know, like it, the situation is just so much different because like if when they're here, they're not wrestling, you know, 15 days on a tour, you know? So, you know, when they're here, they're only wrestling, you know, once or twice a a month on a new Japan show. Right. Um, So it's just going to take longer. It's going to be more costly in the long run. So I feel like um, it might be better just to have a school, have people sign up and pick talent from that as, as they come along. And as we find people Um, Mm. as well, like, the people who are signing up for these classes. I mean, like if you're going to sign up for a new Japan Academy, you got to really want to be a wrestler. Right. Mm, Yeah. Which is like half the battle, you know, because 
it's a tough business and it's a, it's a, it's tough to get started, but I feel like these are people who have the heart and desire that want to do it. So like, that's great. So I feel like that's a good starting point. And um, so now the hope is to look for talent out of there and pick and choose some people to put on new Japan strong and give them opportunities and see how they do test the waters with them. Just like usually, you know, like strong does. And then, um, and then be able to call on them when needed and, you know, hopefully get somebody over to Japan. I, you, we had, um, a couple of good standouts in the, in the first class. Um, Trisha Dora, who's been counted on ROH. So you'll definitely probably see her on new Japan strong, uh, you know, later this year, uh, Johnny Robbie is another one. She's also another standout. Um, you'll see her as well. Um, yeah, there's been a couple though. There's like maybe like three or four that I could definitely see on a new Japan strong card, you know, whether it be like a dark or an opener. Um, but I, I, that's like the next goal is to start giving people from the Academy opportunities. Um, you know, the ones that really stick out. Nice. Uh, and earlier we were talking about Forbidden Door. Is there any chance of you guys doing a Forbidden Door event in Japan? I would love to. I would love to. Um, for Tony, I think it's a little more difficult doing it in Japan because he's got so much going on, A. And um, so, I mean, obviously, like, if, if we did it and, you know, New Japan did all the heavy lifting, I think he would be more open to doing it. And, uh, you know, and I also feel like there's no rush with Forbidden Door. There's no rush with this AEW relationship. Like, I feel like it's, uh, for me, it's always been like, you know, when AEW started, everybody's like, oh, New Japan, we have to work together. It's like, why, why, there's no rush to any of this. I mean, if, if both companies are going to be around for, you know, New Japan will be around for another 50 years and AEW will be around for, you know, another 50 years, then what is the rush to get to everything so quickly? You know, mm-hmm. so... Um, I think, you know, make it special once or twice a year. Obviously, I, I think adding uh, another show in Japan would be the way to go as opposed to like adding another show in America or, or anywhere else. Um, obviously, it's it's done really good business the last two years. And, uh, you know, next year is going to be a tough one to put the matches together because I think we, we kicked ass on this year, you know. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> we, gave, we gave the people a lot. Um, but, you know, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of different ways you can go, obviously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would love to see it in Japan. I don't know how possible it'll be, you know, or what the, the circumstances will be, but I, I, I definitely think in the next year, maybe two years that that would probably be like the goal, you know, maybe two years would, would probably make the most sense. Well, speaking of crossover events, right now you are working currently on the uh, North American All-Star Junior Festival. There's been some incredible talent announcements past couple days. Um, you know, tell us about putting that together and, you know, what you're hoping that might turn into in the future here stateside. Um, so, like, yeah, that's like a cool concept that I would like to see either every year or like every other year, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. something like that. Cause like every year might be like tough because like, even like looking at the talent of, of who we want to bring in and how to make it happen. it's like, there's a lot going on. Cause you're working with so many different companies. Right. 
So like getting, you know, the Japanese companies to say yes or getting, you know, AEW to say yes and also the timing of it, you know. So it's been it's been challenging for sure. Mm-hmm. Um more than normal. Um but uh but I think it's an exciting event that maybe it's more like a J Cup for the states mm-hmm. where it happens like you know, once every two, once every three years type of type of situation, you know, and um, and that's but that's what I'm hoping it'll be. It'll be like our generation's version of the Jacob, you know, uh, that's where I, I'd like to take it. Uh, and, and working with Romo has been cool. You know, it's it's been great. Obviously, like he you know, he has a bunch of ideas. And um, I mean, he's really the spirit of the whole thing of like, right you know, trying to put it together and format the way that, that they did in Japan, which was awesome. I mean, I saw a talent that I've never, ever seen in my life that I didn't even know existed on that show. And I, I had so much, I, I was like a fan, like complete fan, like, oh, this is cool. Like, oh, who's this person? You know, like everything yeah. was so new. And, and so it was really fun for me to watch. Um, so I hope that it'll be that way. Um, obviously, like, our market, even in the U.S., is like yeah, to the to the you know U.S. fans to appeal to U.S. fans and bring people that they don't normally see, right? Like Dragon Cade and stuff. But um, I also feel like this show is going to do probably really great numbers in Japan, probably you know more than anything. So um, to give the Japanese audience a taste in, in in you know wrestlers that they wouldn't normally see or they wouldn't see in Japan. So that's kind of like the hope on both sides, you know? Yeah. And, you know, something new that we've been seeing in New Japan is more women's wrestling featured on the show with the creation of the IWGP Women's Championship and the Strong Women's Championship. And there's been a lot of conversation around the creation of both of those titles and a lot of fans kind of asking, you know, do we need both titles? So um, as somebody who's heavily involved in, uh, obviously, booking and on the strong side of things, Maybe kind of educate our listeners like why there was a need for an IWGP women's title and a strong women's title. That's a good question. So, um, well, first of all, I think a lot of fans don't understand that, uh, you know, New Japan runs 365 days a year. So does stardom. So does AEW. So, you know, so like scheduling people. Um, for a show that fits within a like when we schedule like new japan of america shows they have to be scheduled in between certain times right like when a tour is ending or right after a big show or something like that right but that doesn't always line up with what's happening for stardom or you know or, or whoever we're working with right so like it just works out for new japan right because that's the company we work for that's who you know the show is created for so it's like it doesn't always make sense or it's not always easy to get a stardom talent. And, you know, especially somebody like Mayu, who's, you know, IWGP champion, like she just might not be available. Plus like in Japan, when they're not doing shows and wrestling, they have media appearances, they have signings, they have all kinds of stuff that they're, they're doing constantly. Right. So um, even if they weren't wrestling, it may not be possible to get them. So, uh, so, the strong woman's championship was created just like the strong championship was to not have to depend only on the IWGP champion, because sometimes that IWGP champion is not going to be available, but Mm. we need to have a championship that represents us and also represents what we're trying to do in America, 
which is create a woman's division and 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 we also have a goal for for you know i mean new japan's storylines are built around championships right so like mm-hmm. um it would suck to not be able to you know if we're doing eight shows a year and we could only get the iwgp women's champion two times it's like well you know what about the rest of those six times how are we going to get you know what are we, what is each woman fighting for what are they going for i mean they got to be going for a championship so i think it's just like a good secondary title um that uh obviously represents the u.s and the strong product and 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 for me obviously like i'm so heavily involved in strong i want strong to keep growing so i feel like these titles are very important to getting people to you know be involved and care about what they're what they're watching right so yeah uh so yeah i mean i think that that's that's pretty much the biggest reason uh for creating it and and having it and and also um i feel like uh like i in in theory i feel like this would be the stepping stone title right so like you know as as strong grows and, and grows the women's division i you know like imagine if a trisha Dora won that title you know or like when willow won the title i mean that was a huge stepping stone for her career-wise as well because obviously like it was a big moment right and and she did a great job as champion so um so i feel like that's the right step and that's where it needs to be um obviously like if mercedes would have won it, it you know like it would add you know a, a different type of prestige to it and uh, obviously, you know, she would be taking it everywhere and, and like she did with the IWGP title, red carpets and stuff. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I mean, like, why not? You know, I mean, it, I mean, it feels like it makes sense. And, uh, you know, and, and it also opens up the doors and relationship with the other companies, you know, Stephanie Vacker, you know, could win that championship, you know, um, a woman from AEW could win that championship or impact, you know, so I feel like um, it just gives the women's division more flexibility to grow. Great answer to a uh, difficult question. And uh, I think that probably helps us uh, have a little bit more insight to to why uh, both of those titles are necessary. Um, last thing for me. So, you know, speaking of strong, obviously, recent in the recent past, we, you know, shifted from doing the weekly episodic TV tapings to more like singular event based strong, you know, larger production type of scale events what's um what's the future of strong because i know you guys just did the independence day events in japan what 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 are some of the like future goals and and uh you know things that you'd like to see done with that brand moving forward yeah um definitely more influence in japan uh i i think that the japan shows were like such a massive hit i mean a massive massive hit um financially uh in in just like just to know that there's that many strong fans that actually like know you know all the wrestlers from strong they know the roster they know the moves they know the the whole mm-hmm. gist of everything which is is really cool to see that you know we definitely made a huge impact in japan right so um so i think that that you know probably will be a yearly thing you know if not you know uh you know twice a year or something i would love to see it twice a year but for sure definitely every year that'll be a thing um as well as like i don't think weekly strong is dead in the water completely you know i i think that um that makes the most sense in the like if new japan was to grow in america the way america 
likes to do things and say if we you know linked up with uh you know a channel or you know or another streaming service or whatever it, whatever it is like the us has more flexibility than japan does to do stuff like that because we are kind of two separate companies so um you know i think that that's definitely a possibility and you know you never know like with the writer strike and things are going on right now like there this would be you know kind of the perfect timing to start pitching around a little bit and see if there's any interest you know and it, it doesn't mean necessarily mean it's going to be like tnt or something huge like that right. but i think that that strong could live uh on a small channel you know similar to like what mlw is doing you know something like that i think that that would be great for strong uh kind of have different avenues you know where it's you know svod and uh you know traditional and you know new japan world and blah blah blah, blah. you have three or four different ways uh to create income as well as like production etc you know the thing is like new japan strong was weekly was you know funded by new japan world you know primarily uh and sponsorship and other things so like i think that the next step if we were to bring that back and and fingers crossed i mean that's like one of my biggest things i'm I'll probably going to try to be working on you know for the next year or so it would be to bring strong back weekly because i just think it's too important to the growth of our young wrestlers and finding new talent for the future right so um i think obviously like narita coming over and how well he did on strong being able you know give him opportunities without kind of all the big stress you know putting him in, in the ring with will osprey and give him an opportunity putting him with juice and and building storyline and building anticipation for when he's going to come back because strong is easy and it's accessible for japanese fans right so uh i just think uh i just think it's too important uh and i think overall if you know if, if in the long term if new japan of america is going to grow yeah the pay-per-views are you know they do they do good numbers and they do well i just think that you know we need to be able to fill in the storyline to get to those pay-per-views and it's good to have two ways to do it right like you can have the weekly strong shows to build uh to build story and then you can also have you know the japan side building story right so mm. we've got two ways to kind of feed these bigger shows which makes them feel a little bit more important and bigger right um so i know it's sometimes harder to follow because it's like you know you've got uh you know the strong world and then you've also got like the japan world you know so um i think the biggest problems with that was a taping ahead is always difficult and then b um at that time when we were doing strong for that like period of time two years or whatever uh japan wasn't so easy to get in and out of mm. so now that there's more flexibility and you can get in and get out of the country so easily i think that if we ever to go back to it it would help and it would be a much smoother uh much smoother product and storylines you know uh yeah. wise yeah so um so yeah i mean i feel like that you know that's always uh the biggest problem is like when it comes to wrestling and booking and putting stuff together and is just scheduling everything out because everything is always changing uh and and obviously when you're taping three or four weeks ahead you have to be like thinking two or three months ahead always right but mm -hmm. like 
shit happens all the fucking time all the time something happens so you're just trying to fix some of those things as you go along and you know like you gotta cut stuff from strong because it might you know like you had it planned out but then so and so gets hurt you gotta pull that completely out now you gotta like figure it out so it's like a constant like editing thing and it's I don't know, but it was, it, you know, overall, it's a, it was a very good experience. And I think like the company learned a lot. Everybody learned a lot doing it because they had never done it before. And, um, but I, I think that if it does come back, the next iteration of it will be even better for sure. Nice. Well, uh, last question here, Rocky, and we'll uh, wrap this up. Um, so, you know, episode 200, you told us, you know, one of your goals was to win the IWGP junior championship. Oh under your name, you know, win it again. So is it coming home and are there any other future aspirations for you? I got to figure out how I get myself in the mix, you know, (laughs) that's the whole, that's the biggest problem, you know? So, um, uh, I mean, obviously I would, I would still love to do that, you know, just let me be a transitional champion, you know, like, let me hold it for 10 days. <laughs> Just be a bougie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, no, I mean, definitely still a goal. And it, it was cool to like, when I went back for Strong Japan um, for the Independence Day shows, it was cool just to see how much the fan base still loves and appreciates me. Uh, and I guess, you know, everything that I'm doing outside of japan you know but but and trying to help new japan grow as well as like wrestling all these cool shows and doing all this stuff so um as a new japan guy you know so um i i hope that that helps to kind of fuel the the fan base and maybe hoping and wanting you know the the office to give me an opportunity to go against the championship you know, or the champion and and Maybe being the transitional Ibushi of, of my generation. Yeah, and you're you're a big main eventer in Mexico, man. You know, have this uh, welterweight championship. You know, you're, you're a top guy. They should be booking you. That's what I'm saying. Overnight though, main eventer overnight though. Well, it, it's certainly true that the fans do love and appreciate you, and we certainly do as well. You, you know. Probably you're the only um, you know wrestling guest that we've had on three times on this show, so that's a record now. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule with everything that you do, like you mentioned earlier in the show and, you know, um, giving back to the fan base and, you know, sharing your thoughts with us openly in, in such a candid way. It's really awesome. Well, I mean, you know, you, your show and your fan base and the fan base for your show is like super important to what we do, you know, and, and, and how we do it. And especially like, for the U.S. fans and international fans, uh, you know, who, who are English speaking fans, this is kind of, you know, this is like the uh, the, the the holy ground of, of, of what we do. You know, like uh, <laughs> our fan base, this is like an important part of the fan base, the hardcore fan base that, um, you know, we do our best to please. I know it's, but they're also the hardest fan base <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but it's all love because I know that you guys, love and appreciate new japan and and obviously the time that you guys spend to watch and follow new japan especially Mm -hmm. when it's in another country and it plays in the middle of the night and you know and you're figuring out ways and you're scheduled to to watch it and then give back to the fan base by doing the show so uh you know i I appreciate you guys so much there's a there's a few of the podcasts like you guys who who really do a great job and follow the story and, and and also like help 
to uh, encourage and teach the history of New Japan to new fans, which I think is, is super cool and super important. So, um, so yeah, if you guys are like our um, our uh, our dojo for <laughs> podcasting type of thing, you're setting up the next generation to to love and support New Japan. Hopefully, yeah. Well, uh, Rocky, before you go, tell our listeners where they can follow you online and any other projects you have coming up that you want people to be checking out. Um, at Azuka Rock, A-Z-U-C-A-R-R-O-C on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out all my dumb music on Spotify and YouTube <laughs> and uh, Apple Music. And then, uh, yeah, August 19th. I'm, when does this come out? Do we know a date? Uh, so it's, it's going to be like late in August. So by the time this airs, uh, the All-Star Junior Festival would have happened. But people can still go go back and buy it, right? <laughs> you can go back on New Japan World and buy uh, the All Star Junior Festival. It was fucking incredible. <laughs> and uh, also watch uh, Multiverse United Impact New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, you can buy that on Fight and check that out. All right, and we're back. And man, uh, so good once again having Rocky on the show. Him, you know, taking the time out to record with us and uh, help us. Celebrate episode 300. Yeah, we are, are just so grateful that he took the time out a few weeks ago and sat down and had that conversation with us. And uh, to me, and you just listened to it, I think that's the most candid um, interview that he's ever given us. Uh, so a little bit of a, a bit of rapport, if I do say so myself. Uh, and I think a lot of the, the things that he said, not only were they interesting at the time, but as the landscape of new japan's business and health has shifted and as the landscape of wrestling overall has shifted even just in the few short weeks since we did that interview i think it's even more interesting now than it was when we first heard that <laughs> that interview um and it's going to be interesting to see what comes of it some of the stuff he talked about with like the north american expansion and some of their plans and everything like that it's real interesting yeah, really good stuff. So, yeah, thanks again, Rocky. Make sure you check out all Rocky stuff coming up. He's killing it all over the world. Uh, New Japan Strong, CMLL, all over Impact. He, he's doing he's doing it. Yeah, Jeremy, I know you were out, uh, but you got to see the Mascara Dorada 2.0 versus Rocky Romero. Uh, the I think it was the Leyenda de Platas finals. That match is amazing. Nice. Yeah, I saw some tweets about that match. And so, yeah, definitely uh, got to check that out. Nice. Well, um, since we have the time, um, I think we should talk a little bit about G1. Now, Jeremy, I know you, you, again, you didn't finish the G1 finals, the climax, you know, you didn't do it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you are spoiled, essentially, right? Yeah, I know everything would happen. The last thing I saw, I saw the quarterfinals. Uh, the quarterfinals aired the morning. I was getting ready to fly, fly it out Thursday night, so I watched the quarterfinals Thursday morning, and that's the last stuff I saw. But I, I saw, I know what happened in the semifinals and, and what happened in the finals. Well, what I did was, um, I, I usually like to do this, and I wanted to do it on the episode where Chris was on with me, but we 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 did a, a quick recording, like same day as the finals aired, and just you know got it. Uh, to audio as fast as possible. So I didn't have a lot of time to kind of do some of the, you know, deep search that I like to do after the fact. I went ahead and uh, uh, compiled some information. I think it's kind of giving us a bit of an idea overall of what this uh, tournament looked like. So essentially 
in A block of the eight competitors that were there, the lowest ranking um, star rating average, and we're going off of cage match ratings here, which I think cage match is not necessarily the most scientific way to kind of grade stuff, but I think for the most part, New Japan has still stayed pretty <laughs> steady as opposed to some of the other uh, companies' gradings. But um, essentially in A block, Chase Owens ended the tournament with a 5.06 average match rating, which is like less, that's like about two and a half. Yeah. And um, the MVP, now when it was all said and done, Jeremy, who do you think was the MVP of A block just in terms of, you know, match quality? Uh, probably, uh, Umino. It's a tough one. I thought it might be Umino. I thought it might be Kiyomiya. They actually weren't that far off, but the MVP of A Block ended up being Yota Suji with a 7.49 match average, which is pretty good. Now, um, Sonata and Hikaleo, the two guys that ended up being the finalists from the block, uh, both ended with. 6.88 for Sonata and then 5.75 for Hikaleo. But when you this that was only the, the block averages when you kind of factor in that their overall average, including how they did in the um in the final rounds, Sonata actually dropped to a 6.46 and Hikaleo improved to a 5.84. The A block actually ended up being overall the strongest block in terms of just general quality with a three with a 6.62 average, which is essentially like three and a third overall. Yeah. Um, B block ends with a 6.41 average, which is basically about a three and a quarter average overall. Your lowest performer in the block, Kenta, sitting at a flat five average. And your MVP of the block is Will Ospreay, who ends with a 7.79 average overall, followed closely by Kazushka Okada at 7.29. But when you add, both of those guys were the finalists. When you add their overall average, Okada jumps to 7.57 overall. And Will Ospreay jumps to 8.03 overall. The only person in the entire tournament with a, basically a four-star match average across the board and your overall MVP for the G1 period. So, um, you know, it, it kind of looks like those two guys excelled while the rest of the, the, the block was either in the middle or at the bottom. Yeah, well, uh, two of the, the best wrestlers in the world. <laughs> Not a surprise there. In the C block, uh, we finished with a 6.5 average, so about three and a quarter. Um, your C block MVP is Tomohiro Ishii with a 7.53 average. Even though he was out in the first few nights, he still put in the, the hardest <laughs> effort of anybody in the entire block. Um, followed closely by Shingo Takagi with 7.37 average. Your finalists were Finley and Evil, with Evil actually being the lowest performer in the block overall with a 5.06 average. Finley sitting at a 6.41 and then um, when you uh, take into account their overall averages, Finley jumped up to a 6.63. Evil stays the exact same with a 5.06 <laughs> average. He didn't drop. He didn't improve. He just stayed steady as one of the lowest performers in the entirety of the G1, wow. even with his performances in the finals. 
And then finally, you get to the D block. The D block, the lowest performing block of the entire tournament. And I think that this is interesting because A block was the highest performing with the youngest competitors. Mm-hmm. D block, the lowest performing with a 6.06 average. So basically a three-star average. Your lowest performer in the block, Toriano, 4.74 average, which is pretty bad. But at the same time, it's Toriano. So right. you, know, you take that a little bit with a grain of salt. Um, if you weren't going to take him into consideration, the next lowest performer would actually be Alex Coglin at 5.64, which is a little surprising. Uh, I mean, it, it is, but it isn't considering that he was so heavy on the gimmick and getting over the, the whole Bullet Club War Dog thing. And they they didn't really put him in a position to succeed either. Right. He was a lot of the, the opener, maybe mid-card matches, very, maybe like 10, 10 11 minute matches. And he, he was, it was all about, you know, getting over his, his new, uh, new heel turn. Your MVP of the block, Zack Sabre Jr., sitting at a 7.0 average. Uh, he did jump to a 7.21 overall um, as one of the finalists. And then Tetsuya Naito sitting at a 6.66 average for the block, which isn't necessarily great, but he did have the biggest variance between his block average and his overall average as he jumped to a 7.20 based on the strength of his uh, performances down the tail stretch of the the tournament. Um, I did think it was interesting, Zach, being the MVP of D-Block with the 7.0, he still had seven competitors that were stronger overall from the other blocks and he wouldn't have been an MVP contender in any block other than D block. So um, your top 10 performers overall, number 10, uh, Narita, number nine, Tetsuya Naito, number eight, Zack Sabre, seven, Umino, six, Kaito Kaomiya, your top five, Shingo Takagi, Yota Suji, Tomohiro Ishii, Kazushiko Okada, and then your overall MVP, Will Ospreay. And your dishonorable bottom five, Tangaloa, 5.29. <laughs> Number four, Chase Owens, 5.06. Number three, Evil, 5.06. Number two, Kenta with a flat five. And Yano with a 4.74. These guys all basically performed at a two-star level, essentially. Wow. <laughs> and then I compiled the top ten matches of the tournament. Um, number ten, Cobb and Sabre. Number nine, Hanare and Shingo. Number eight, Kiyomiya Sonata. Number seven, Okada Osprey. Number six, Okada Taichi. Number five, Okada Zack Sabre Jr. Number four, Eddie Kingston versus Tomohiro Ishii. Number three, Will Ospreay versus ELP. And then your top two, the finals, Naito versus Okada, sitting at a 9.30. And Tetsuya Naito versus Will Ospreay, the best match of the uh, tournament, uh, best match of the finals, sitting with a 9.57. Um, the best match of each block that Kiyomiya Sonata, that was the best A block match. Cobb versus Saber was the best D block match. Kingston Ishii was the best C block match. And then Osprey ELP was the best D block match. Uh, overall, even though some of these numbers sound a little low, the overall there were still 27 four star range matches out of 119 overall. So basically, you're looking at about a 23% great match rating for the tournament overall and considering the format that they used with having the eight matches on each night it kind of makes sense yeah so i I guess um 
And part of wrapping this up, what's your overall thoughts on this format? Do you think we should do it again next year? Do you think this was a disaster somewhere in the middle? I, I wouldn't be opposed to them going back to the lean and mean ten two block ten man tournament format. Um, I think that might be beneficial, but I'm not opposed to this tournament format. Some of the things that I think uh, I don't necessarily, I, I, I think that they need to find a way to lean out the tournament. If it means less participants, um, that's fine. But I think there's quite a few guys that didn't need to be in the tournament based off of their accolades. And then there's other guys that don't need to be in it based on their age based on their performance in this tournament, based on the kayfabe of them losing a lot, they need to find a way to restore the G1 to its former glory, in my opinion, at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I don't mind the four-block format, but if they're going to do it, like you said, there's, there's a lot of guys that just don't need to be in there. You you have access to so many talented wrestlers in your company and across the world. Um, they're, they're definitely guys that they can find to replace a guy like Chase Owens or, or Tangaloa. Um, but again, I, I would be ter- totally fine too if they went back to the two block ten mat ten man, ten man format. And I think that might be the best thing to do to kind of really help reestablish a G one. And they have such a loaded roster; they don't, they don't need to throw all these guys in here. Um, so you know those those bottom five you mentioned, some of the guys like Kenta, the guys that are getting older like Tanahashi, like. Uh, you know, you got to make room for the new guys. And I think that the two block format really forces that hit that hand. We did have a couple questions last week regarding the G one that I wanted to get to um, first from Rambone slam pig. He said, how did you think this year's G one will be looked at in retrospect a few years from now? It seems to have mixed reactions now, but I believe it's a claim will grow as time um, as some of the first time talents become bigger stars and the seeds planted here come to fruition. Yeah, ultimately, I think that this G one, when we ten years from from now, people will look back and be like, "Oh, that's where like Umino and Arita started their rivalry, and, and Suji and Umino, like that's where these young guys had their first G ones, their first starts." I think yeah, this G one is gonna be more remembered for the young guys beginning than an overall quote unquote great G one. Obviously, the, the semifinals and finals will probably be, you know talked about as some of the great matches in G one history. But overall, as a whole tournament, I don't think people will go back and be like, yeah, this was one of the greatest G1s ever. Less Commission 7252 also said, most NOAA New Japan fans feel like Kiyomiya's run in the G1 was just a waste of time. But should we use the WWE method and see how it plays out for him? <laughs> um, yeah, we, we got to see how it plays out. I do think the biggest win for Kiyomiya was exposure. Um, it exposed him to the New Japan audience, which is bigger than the NOAA audience. So, uh, and maybe it's a situation where we're, we're seeing like an AEW where guys are getting courted while they're under contract to um, other promotions. So maybe this is a way for them to kind of start a relationship with Kiyomiya. And maybe when his contract is up, he's somebody that can jump ship to New Japan. Or maybe it's just a situation where we've seen this year where New Japan just really wants to help out wrestling as a whole in Japan. And so they're trying to do that to kind of give Kiyomiya a little buzz and help kind of boost his profile in Noah, but when also not putting him over a lot of their top guys. Um, To kind of speak to all this and to wrap up this segment, there's three things that I want to point out about this tournament that I'm kind of left with at the end of the day. One, in that B block, 
one of the biggest matches of the entirety of the tournament ended up being um, Okada versus Osprey um, during the block portion of the tournament. And that was one of the bigger main events. I think that was like an Oda Ward uh, gymnasium. And we finally saw Osprey beat Okada, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy, I don't know how much you've heard, but since you've been gone, the scuttlebutt and talk around the wrestling industry is basically a lot of allusions to the idea that Osprey is potentially done with New Japan come January 4th. And I got to tell you, um, I've heard some things, nothing that I would feel comfortable. We're, we're not a news source. So I'm not going to break anything on this show. But even before I heard anything, when this like um, result poured in, it started to kind of get the uh, the ball rolling in my head that maybe New Japan already knows this guy's on the way out. Yeah. Because look at look at how they were building the story of Osprey never having been able to beat Okada and it having been set up that at some point this monumentous moment where he finally achieves the unachievable and he finally beats Okada that that was supposed to be paid off. And instead of paying it off at a wrestle kingdom or G one final or a title match or something like that, like what they did with Kenny, when Kenny was chasing the dragon, they did it here in a block match on a final night in Ota ward. And they did it sub 20 minutes in there really wasn't, there were some callbacks, but they didn't play that hard into the the rivalry that they've built over all of these Wrestle Kingdoms and G1s and stuff like that. To me, that screamed, we want to do good and make good by giving you the win and finishing the story, but we're not going to give you the monumentous moment to then send you off to Tony Khan. Right, yeah. And I think that that was one of the big key indicators of what's to come when it comes to Will Ospreay. That's just my two cents. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, me and Chris had gotten into it just a little bit about the booking of A Block. And at the time, I hadn't had a lot of opportunity to kind of reflect on what had happened because a lot of it was like in the heat of the moment. Now that I've had some time to reflect and think about it, I think that there were two big missteps when it comes to the a block the first one being putting hikaleo as one of the finalists oh yeah and and the reason i say this it's not well granted i will tell you this he he ended with a 5.75 average star rating right which is the second worst of the block of all the young guys he was the worst performer um and that's fine like he doesn't need to be a world beater and i understand some of the logic that has been applied to this story that they're you know, one of the things that me and Chris discussed was the idea that New Japan is doing a bit of a slow burn story here. They didn't want to put Narita or Umino or Suji over one another, and they kind of all canceled each other out, and that opened the door for Hikaleo to get through as this monster, right? And the idea is that generationally now he's set up as a secondary guy. I think that this is a huge misstep and one of the the issues of Gato and New Japan's cautious booking style because we're sitting on the precipice of potentially a large exodus of the company of Gaijin talent coming up this January. And there's been the talks of the, the money issues within New Japan and the stock dropping and the yen being soft and everything like that. 
And earlier this year, you know, we'd heard those reports from Kadani and the rest of Bushi Road, how they wanted to see the young generation pushed forward in a faster method. I basically think they should have done one of two things. They should have either put Kiyomiya through or more importantly, they should have skyrocketed either Umino, Suji, or Narita. In my opinion, it probably should have been Umino. Not that I have the most faith in him, but because he's had the, the most sustained push and been shown to be on, on the, uh, the star level for a longer period of time than the other two guys, they had an opportunity to actually establish somebody and to make the story be that this guy does stand out from the other two and we are going with somebody, we are pushing somebody and they are a star of the future. And they didn't do that. They made everybody equal. It's like 50-50 booking. And nobody at the end gets of the day, over. nobody gets over. Yeah. And and then you end up with Hikaleo, who is kind of being set up for a generational what? What's his ceiling? Bad luck folly at this point. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine if you want to have a monster that can beat Nokata or uh, you know, like a a Naito on any given G1 night and maybe win the secondary title for a couple months at some point. But uh Hikaleo is an older guy. Hikaleo is a guy that I think has a lot of promise and has a future, but at this current juncture, isn't the kind of person that you should be pushing through in a G1 when you have the the up uh, the actual true future of the of the the company in the same block as him all getting stagnated. I don't think that was a smart move. Yeah. I think and I think as time goes on, that's gonna be proven more. Yeah, I think it would have been more compelling. They should have had Hikaleo just be a monster in mm-hmm. destroying people and get to that last night, and then you have Umino beat him. So Hikaleo still is over because he was destroying people, but then Umino vanquishes a monster, and then you kind of elevate both guys in that way. They did everything backwards with Hikaleo. They had him take an early losses and then come from behind and sneak into the into the spot, whereas he should have been dominant throughout and then got van- like Lance Archer against Okada last year, essentially, or Jonah, very similar to that. Yeah. Um, and you know, if that's another thing, if he if he'd come off of a Jonah or a Lance Archer type run, or even like a Cobb run, maybe I wouldn't be saying these things. But nothing in this tournament screams to me top star of this company right now. Uh, last thing I want to say, um. The more I think about it, the more I think it it, it it is idiotic to have brought Kato Kiyomiya into this tournament and to have treated him this way. Um, and the reason I say that is because I know the argument is, well, what benefit does it serve New Japan Pro Wrestling? And the more I've thought about it, you know what, it, you know what benefit it would have served them? The ability to do huge business across promotions. Yeah, it would have created a buzz. That is dead. There is no let's see how it plays out because me and Jeremy actually made that argument multiple times this past year as it pertained to Kiyomiya and Okada. And we were proven wrong every time. And I still had faith that, you know what, let's just wait and see. And then got put in the G1. And I was like, this is the make good. This is the make good. It's happening. And instead... 
They gave him no signature wins over any major stars of any sort. And he ended, you know, basically like fourth or fifth in the block when he's supposed to be the ace of the company. The idea of him ever drawing money with a, with a Naito, a Tanahashi, a Will, a Zach, an Okada, anybody like that, that is gone forever. It's off the table unless like something monumentous happens with him in his home company, which who knows. Um, and I don't think that that serves the interest of New Japan in any way. And it also tells any other Japanese company that might hypothetically have wanted to send talent um, to a G1 like this to never do it again. Because you can't trust, I mean, un unless management from that company is smart and they, you know, basically advocate for the guy and actually ensure that he's going to do well, mm -hmm. uh, which Noah didn't obviously, but this kills any interest in any Kiyomiya match, any singles match, period, which doesn't help any of your talent that you could have potentially had go over him down the road, any money you could have drawn at any event. That is gone. Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like they were like almost forced <laughs> to put Kiyomiya in the G1. Like, I don't know what kind of deal they cut with Noah and it was kind of like a, in a kind of a contract thing. Oh yeah, by the way, you have to put one of our guys, and they're like, "Fine, fine, we'll we'll do it. We'll we'll put him in." But he's going in the A block, and he's losing. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it. Has it reeks of that, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, and when you kind of compare it to the way that Eddie was booked in the C block, it, it it's night and day. It's nowhere near close to that. Um, I just, I just can't imagine them ever having they wouldn't do this to any any major star from AEW. they would never do this to a major star from well they, tony khan wouldn't let them right tony khan wouldn't let them and again a lot of this is on noah but i don't think it makes any smart business sense for new japan to have done this now that i'm a few weeks out now that i'm thinking about it any any potential of crossover is gone they they yeah, murdered the, the biggest no... star of the of the of their you know rival yeah, if they do Wrestle Kingdom night, you know, two, three, whatever next year, and they do Noah versus New Japan, like there is no heat now for a Kiyomiya versus Okada rematch. There's no heat for uh, Kiyomiya versus pretty much anybody, even some of these young guys. Like, yeah, him and Umino had the draw, but there's no heat. There's, there's not. There's not gonna be heat there. Sure, you could do a rematch, and sure, it could be great, but Umino is still trying to be, become a star, and Kiyomiya, that this is kind of a black eye for him, and so he, they're not. You can't put that on. It's like one of the big draws for that show. Expect people to come. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have the time to think about it at the time. And now that I've thought a lot more about it, I think it's more um, egregious. And it, it just doesn't make... And I think, it's a, I think it is a black guy in the tournament that they put Hikaleo through mm -hmm. over either one of the big stars or uh, Kiyomiya. And I, I feel like the idea that so many people were jazzed about Kiyomiya and Okada we didn't get it and now nobody wants to see it and now that's put to bed and now nobody wants to see Kiyomiya wrestle in New Japan at all so you've you've killed business for yourself while propping up at best an upper mid card a guy that you're a guy that as valuable he might be as a utility player you will never and I'm saying this for the first time ever you will never ever draw money with Hikaleo and you could have drawn money with Kiyomiya. That's gone. Those are my final thoughts. 
All right, well, that wraps up our final G1 uh, coverage for this year's G1. Uh, next, let's jump into the RevPro 11-year anniversary that happened this past weekend at the Copper Box. So I was able to attend this show live. It was a, a tight uh, turnaround there. Uh, <laughs> ho- hopped on a train from Paris back to London, uh, got into London, and then hauled over <laughs> to the Copper Box, was able what, to... What was that conversation like when you... <laughs> had to finagle your way into being able to go to two wrestling shows on your well, you know trip. Big shout out to to Murray Bone Muzza. Uh so you know we hung out with uh Murray, Ricky and Clive in um uh, Glasgow, Scotland and hanging out with those guys and of course my wife was there and uh Murray Oh see I didn't know she was with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh so Murray mentioned the Rev Pro show and all the New Japan guys and she's like, Why aren't you going to that? And I was like, Oh, <laughs> This is an option, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so but the, the timing was honestly the big thing. Like getting back uh, just too long in time, checking into our hotel in London, and then the cover box was actually like an hour away from our hotel. Uh, wow. And then there was a ton of traffic, so just even just trying to get to London in time, then get to the show in time was a whole day's worth of travel. But got to the show, I was a little bit late. I came in. Um, towards the ending of the Leon Slater versus Dan Maloney match, but then I, mm. was, I was there for a lot of the great stuff uh, on the show. Uh, so the the show opened up. They had a um, a pre show match. They had, they had a women's battle royal. So I didn't see that, um, but uh, I did see it. Oh, you did? Yeah. So I bought the Rev Pro streaming service. I was really <laughs> jazzed for this. Show. Okay, because it's like um, I, I've you know. I'll, I'll just tell on myself, I've I found alternative means to try and watch Rep Pro in the past. And almost all, every time I've ever done that, I've turned it off because it's unwatchable, right? Mm. So my, my train of thought was like, you know what? This is a big show. These guys had the balls to go ahead and, and book all of these big stars from New Japan. We might as well reward them, give them my money. And in return, the thought process for me was because it's on their streaming service, then I'll probably get the opportunity to have the cleanest, whatever that might look like, the cleanest version of their live stream. Bro, it was unwatchable. Like, it was impossible. Like, I did watch the women's um, Battle Royal. I couldn't tell really what was going on half the time. <laughs> it kept lagging. Um, the crowd seemed kind of into it. I don't know. It, it didn't seem to be very good. But uh, by the end of it, I just... It, I couldn't do it. I, I turned it off, and I have yet to watch because <laughs> I, I was so burned out from All In the next day that I just haven't even gotten around to watching the Rep Pro 11th anniversary. I And at this point now, I'm probably just going to cherry pick the, the New Japan matches that you've recommended. So I, I didn't even see it yet. Uh, I've heard there's been some great matches. You can take us through it, but uh, that's my experience. I'm hoping my, – my hope – is that the VOD is cleaned up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I'm not confident it is. Yeah, I mean, also, that's one of the one big knocks about Rev Pro. I mean, I think they have, I've enjoyed watching Rev Pro over the years. I think they have good booking. They have a lot of great guys. Even coming back after uh, speaking out in COVID, they've been doing a good job. But yeah, the production is one of the things that really hurts them. Uh, we've talked about this time and time again when we review Rev Pro stuff. 
Um, they're, you know, one of the top indies in the UK and they just can't seem to get this production thing down. You know, we have independence here in Tampa, you know, FIP, Full Impact Pro. I mean, they have better production and streaming service than, than Rev Pro does. And uh, even, you know, Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling, uh, I've seen better uh, production on some of their shows on Fight TV than what Rev Pro um, can put out. And so I think that's one thing that they really need to work on in the future is figuring out how to get a, a better quality streaming, how to fix their audio, because every Rev Pro show, the audio is always super hot. It's super peaking. Uh, there's just there's a lot of work that needs to be done on their presentation. I do. I don't want to be too aggressive on this because I do understand that they're an independent company, and I guess the the best way to put it, I'm not looking for them to put on a top notch five star level production. You know, like right. it doesn't it, have to. It doesn't be need to look like level. WrestleMania or all no, all in no. London. It doesn't need to look like that. But there are a lot of independent companies out there, um, and you know, even if there are certain things that are that are you know part of the charm <laughs> of, of a small independent company's production at the very very minimum the sound needs to be clean and the video needs to be of a certain caliber even if it's not the highest level of production and i mean there's very small companies that are able to pull this off with very little money and so that's my biggest gripe about it is like i want to watch the show but it was it was hard to watch, <laughs> right? And there's a lot of people who are excited about this. They drew four thousand fans to the Kyra Box, the biggest Rev Pro audience. I saw a ton of people on Twitter that were hyped about this show. They wanted to, how do you watch the show? They didn't, they didn't do a great job, you know, telling new people how do you even watch this show that it's streaming live. Like, uh, there's so many people that on Twitter, like, oh, this is happening. You know, Will and Chingo, how do I watch it? But then they start watching it, and it's horrible production. And so this was a huge way you could have they could have drawn a lot of new fans and made a lot of new fans, but uh, the production issues um, kind of came in the way with that. Um, and even the the live experience, like where I was sitting, like the, some of the stuff from the microphone, like the ring announcement was kind of not clear to hear, and some of the the music stuff was not the best either. Um, so yeah, definitely they have some work to do on the overall production live production. In in person and streaming, but uh, well, let's do this, Jeremy. Instead of doing like a, a match by match, because I don't think people necessarily need that for a show like this. How about I'll give the results, and then you can kind of give us your overall thoughts, match recommendations. You know, the stuff that stuck out to you, stuff that's relevant to our listeners, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So again, with the pre-show battle royal that started out with the women, ultimately. Uh, Danny Luna defeated the other women that um, showed up in this. Uh, Leon Slater defeated Dan Maloney in the opener, seven minutes and five seconds. Um, Connor Mills, well, the well, champion. Before we, uh, so I did see the end of this. So Dan Maloney is still uh, one half of the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. Leon Slater coming off the rivalry with Will Ospreay. Also Maloney's a, a former United Empire member, now in Bullet Club. So I do think it was kind of big for them to have uh, Leon Slater beat a New Japan champion, even though he's just a, a junior tag champ. And we do have the Super Junior Tag League coming up. So maybe Leon Slater will get a partner and we'll see Leon in New Japan soon. Okay. 
Um, the Red Pro Undisputed British Cruiserweight title, six-way scramble match. Connor Mills, the champion, defeats Callum Newman, Jordan Brakes, Robbie X, Shaw Samuels, and Wild Gore, 11 minutes, 45 seconds. Yeah, so this was a, a really fun matchup. Robbie X, to me, was the standout guy. We've reviewed some Robbie X matches on some excursion stuff. Uh, his match with Will Ospreay. So, yeah, that was kind of a standout guy for me. Um, Callum Newman, we know he's UE now. He'll get in the match as well. So, yeah, really fun matchup. J.J. Gale defeats Kosei Fujita via Boston Crab. Nine minutes, four seconds. Looked like people were pretty upset about this one. Yeah, this match was kind of sloppy. Um, people were really into Fujita and really wanted to see Fujita win. Uh, when J.J. Gale put Fujita in the Boston Crab, the whole crowd was booing because they all know that that's you know the young line finish, and they wanted to see Fujita tap out Gale of that. So um, Fujita tapped out to the Boston Crab, crowd booed. And yeah, this is, this is one match where you can just really tell the difference between somebody who was trained maybe in, in an independent school versus somebody who came out of the, the Nogue Dojo. Like, Fujita was just so much more crisp technically than J.J. Gale and... Um, there was a lot of sloppy Hurricane Rana spots from JJ. There was one dive to the outside that was kind of miscommunicated and didn't look well. So there was a lot of mistiming, and all of it to me seemed like it was on JJ Gale's uh, side of things, whereas Vegeta seemed more, a lot more crisp and on a way it was kind of, to me, it felt like he was kind of leading the match and kind of knew more around the ring than JJ Gale did. Hmm. Fifth match of the night, El Fantasmo and Katsuyori Shibata. They defeat the Bull Club War Dog team of David Finley, Gabe Kidd with Ghetto. 12 minutes, 20 seconds. Yeah, so this was a really fun tag match. Uh, Shibata got a huge reaction when he came out. Obviously, Shibata has been Rev Pro before. He was the undisputed British champion at one point and first time in the UK since uh, coming back into action from the uh, subterminal hematoma. So, yeah, he came out, huge, monstrous uh, star reaction. The fans were really into him. Uh, ELP, great reaction. Again, another former Rev Pro guy. Uh, War Dogs got a lot of heat here as well. And so it, this was a really uh, fun matchup. Obviously, they're building off of the past relationship between Gabe Kidd and Jabata. So there's a lot of interactions with them on uh, the match. Um, there was a spot towards the end where ELP... Uh, it's going to super kick um, Gabe Kidd. Uh, he moved. He hit Shibata, but they were able to uh, rebound back, and uh, Shibata was able to um, get ELP back in. ELP got the pin on Gabe Kidd. Uh, Pokes match, they both celebrated with a Shibata pose in the middle of the ring, and crowd was into it. Very happy to see ELP and Shibata win. Following that, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Ricky Knight Jr., Tale of two juniors, 17 minutes and 14 seconds. Yeah, the tale of uh, two fake juniors. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no Zack Sabre Sr. And, and Ricky Knight Jr. is actually like the, the grandson of, of Ricky Knight. Uh, it's also a tale of two men that should be juniors. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this match was great. Um, both guys are just so very technically sound, and um, you know it's been a while since we watched Rev Pro. So the last time we were, I think RKJ was a baby face. He seemed to work this match as a heel, kind of like the young, arrogant, cocky guy going against the you know the Rev Pro veteran here. Uh, crowd really into Saber. RKJ was getting a lot of good heat here. He controlled um, a lot of the matchup uh, until towards the end, where Zach was able to uh, get him into a submission hole 
and uh, submit him. So yeah, really fun matchup. I would love to see uh, RKJ in New Japan uh, after this matchup. Yeah, I know we were sort of expecting that that might come to fruition at some point. It hasn't happened as of yet, but that remains to be seen. Seventh match of the night, Red Pro Undisputed British Tag Team title match, subculture, the team of Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews with Danny Luna. They defeated the Velocities team of Jude Ludden and Paris De Silva, 11 minutes, 10 seconds. Yeah, I did miss this match because uh, I was starving at this point. I hadn't gotten a chance to eat. I, I, I wanted to run and get some food, but... Th- Pretty much everybody ran to get food during this match, which was really sad. <laughs> I, I did see clips, and I also, I know, Paris Silva did this awesome shooting star GT, but this was the one match where everybody's like, I'm going to food, I'm getting merch. A lot of people left the crowd uh, during wow. this match. <laughs> I did I did hear kind of mixed things that, like, the guys were, are very talented, but they didn't seem to jive, and the match was a little disconjointed. Yeah. Um, eighth match of the night. And I know you had rave reviews about this one. Tomohiro Ishii defeats Luke Jacobs, 17 minutes, 58 seconds. This was incredible. If this was a straight-up New Japan match, it would be a strong-style fight-of-the-year contender. It's going to be an excursion match-of-the-year contender for me. Um, Tomohiro Ishii put this man in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. He is incredible. This man can have a great match with absolutely anybody uh, these guys, they, they went out here and they, they worked the Ishii playbook. You know, the big moves, no selling, hard hits. And, you know, Luke Jacobs, uh, he's a uh, a younger guy, not a, a really known guy across the wrestling world. And they had him go in there toe-to-toe with Ishii. He was, timing with him was great, hitting all the big spots, the big lariats. He was going just, uh, just like I said, toe-to-toe with Ishii. He looked great. Obviously, Ishii was great. This was, you know, just your never-style, hard-hitting, banger matchup. And uh, Ishii was able to uh, get the win after the Brain Buster. But, yeah, really great matchup. Following that, the Red Pro Undisputed British Women's Title three-way match, Alex Alex Windsor, the champion, she successfully retained, defeating Hyon and Mickey James, 50 minutes and 34 seconds. Um, I don't know about the match, but... It probably wasn't easy for them to follow Ishii and uh, Jacobs. Yeah, that was a hard spot they put them in there to, to follow that matchup. Like it's, it's hard to follow Ishii, especially after the match that they had. Uh, but the crowd was huge in Mickey James. They literally did not stop chanting hardcore country throughout the match, like literally for eight minutes of this match. I, oh. I don't understand the reference. Yeah. Is that a TNA thing? Yes, yeah, so her, her her theme in TNA, it starts hardcore country. It's one of her like country <laughs> songs or whatever. And so she used that music on the indies as also. And for the whole match, the crowd is literally hardcore country, hardcore country. They would have to do like high spots to get the crowd to stop. And after the high spot, they would start again. Hardcore country. And, it, and then this guy in my row was getting like so mad. He was like trying to tell people to stop chanting hardcore country. <laughs> and like literally the whole, this match was 15 and 34 seconds. Literally the whole match, hardcore country. They did not stop. They really burned them. It, it sounds like you guys got more chanting and singing <laughs> at this show than maybe all in. Yeah, there's a lot of chanting. A lot, you know, a lot of the traditional like UK songs and chants uh, were at this show. But yeah, the crowd that they loved Mickey James, they loved hardcore country. They didn't really pay attention to the match much, but. Uh, Mickey James was over. <laughs> and then finally, um, no, not finally, the semi-main event, the Rev Pro undisputed British heavyweight title match as Michael Oku, the champion with Amira, 
He successfully de uh, defended and defeated Trent Seven with Levy Muir. 19 minutes and 59 seconds. A little surprised that this wasn't the main event of the evening. Well, based on how the show played out, I'm glad it was not the main event of the evening. This match, it was okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they they tried really, really hard to make it feel epic, but it just wasn't. Um, this was the... Josh, I, I saw two world title matches this weekend. Both of them had... Uh, ref bump, double ref bump spots in here. Uh, this Michael Oku match. They were. What, what about the other one? The uh, the MJF Adam Cole match. No, the other world title match that we saw um, with that, no ref bumps. Which which was that? Punk versus Joe oh. <laughs> for the real world title. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, this match that they had. They did the two ref bump thing and. The thing with Oku, like I feel like he he likes to try and do like these super dramatic matches, and, and it it worked with Will Osprey, but for I don't think it works all the time in all his matches. And a I think the crowd was burned out from seeing hardcore country fifteen minutes, and then this match came out, and there there wasn't a, a ton of heat for it, and they had the ref bump spot. Um, Oku's manager girlfriend um, Trent Seven pile drived her from the apron. To the floor through a table, which was a crazy spot, uh, which kind of woke the crowd up there. And I saw that I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if anybody's going to complain about Trent Seven giving a woman a pile driver who was not in wrestling gear through a table the same yeah, way any, they can pay outrage about this." I saw no <laughs> outrage. No, everybody seems to be fine about it. There's no outrage that the male wrestler pile drived the female wrestler through a table, even though she wasn't in wrestling gear. And she wasn't in a wrestling capacity. There's no outrage for this man on woman violence. No, but if it was Will Ospreay, you bet it's there weird. would be. Yeah, it's uh, weird. <laughs> and also, uh, Trent Seven has a, a new heater, a guy named uh, Levy, I guess Mirror. I'm not sure how you say his last name. He was out there and he was putting his hands. Yeah. Uh, he was putting his hands on Amir as well, and Amir was jumping all over him. So you call him Amir. There's no A in his name. What? <laughs> it's M U I R. Mir, I, I think it might be Mia. Mia. Like I, like French. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It was mad funny when um you were in the group chat and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> Trent said he's got a, a big strong brother watching his back as his heater. And I was like, How do you know he's his brother? <laughs> uh so yeah, and then um they had another table spot after that where it was like a big like fisherman buster to the outside through a table. So they, they try to get the crowd in with the table spots, but uh, overall, uh, Oku he got the the half crab on Trent Seven. He tapped out. So it was it was a fine matchup, but uh, it definitely shouldn't have made an event. They did an angle after the match where the Progress Champion came out and attacked Oku, and Oku told him, "Oh, his, really? Yeah, uh, Spike Trivet, I think his name is." And so uh, I, I didn't even know who the champion was. I thought it was Kara Noir. <laughs> Bro, I, I, dude, I had no who idea who it was, and a lot I of don't people, even know what goes on. In the <laughs> a lot of people, like, I was sitting next to these two kids, and like, they were pretty like into the wrestling scene. They're like, "Oh, we don't know who that guy is." It's like no, a lot of the crowd did not know who this guy was, but yeah, it's the Progress Champion. I thought Progress got canceled with speaking out. I'm surprised it still exists. I know. <laughs> so I guess we're gonna do a, a few, you know, Champ versus Champ, Rev, Rev Pro versus Progress. But Oku did tell Bro, that him that sounds like that sounds like someone's getting folded up. Is what that sounds like. <laughs> 
Well, uh, Oku told him he has to start at the bottom, even though he's uh, the progress champ. So Does he have to fight the Brooklyn Brawler? That's what it sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, your main event of the evening, Will Ospreay with Lord Gideon Gray defeats Shingo Takagi in your main event. 20 minutes and 8 seconds. Post-match, there was a uh, surprise beatdown from Chris Jericho. Yeah, I'll see Osprey Shingo. Absolutely incredible matchup. Both guys got huge reactions uh, when they came out. Lots of songs for both guys throughout the match. This crowd was really, they knew who Shingo was. They were really into him. Uh, I will say that this probably will go down as the quote-unquote worst match of the Osprey Shingo rivalry. Wow. But at the same time, I'm still like 4.75 on it (laughs) (laughs) instead of 5. But, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. ton of the callback spots. Um, Osprey, the ending was great. Osprey kicked out of Last of the Dragon, popped up, um, Hidden Blade, uh, Stormbreaker. It was a a great matchup. There was one little small botch where Osprey, he was going for the Oz Cutter, but Shingle didn't get up yet. We like jumped and like it didn't end up right. He redid it, so that was the one little blip. But besides that, so they had like a couple botches. Yeah. So but besides that, it's what you would expect from Osprey and Jingo. Twenty minutes, ball to the wall, great matchup. Crowd love both men, um, and yeah, great matchup. And then uh, post match, Osprey got on the mic and he's cutting a promo, putting over Rev Pro, putting over the crowd, talking about how. Um, you know, a lot of his classmates that he went to college with, you know, they're not making nowhere. None of them are making as much money as he is now, even though he was dumb. Like, oh, it's this whole big, like, long promo, and just, you know, thanking the fans and all this whole stuff. And then out of nowhere, a guy in a bushy mask runs in the ring, attacks with the crowds buzzing. And, of course, like I said, it's Chris Jericho, lays this man out with juice effect, gets the so heat. Cool. Uh, yeah, I was—I had no idea that Jericho would would show at the Rev Pro show. It's the same mask that he used when he attacked. Uh, I can't remember if it was Evil or Naito, but it's the same mask he used in like 2018, 2019, back then. Like he still has the mask. <laughs> yeah, that that was hilarious. And then uh, Aussie Open came out to make the save. They ran Jericho off, and then osprey got back up saying you know he's gonna prove that he's the best wrestler in the world is that people talk about masawa they talk about tanahashi okada kenny omega they should be talking about will osprey he's better than all of them he's gonna prove he's the best of the world he's gonna have eighty thousand people behind him the next day to beat jericho and that's how they ended the show um as far as because uh, i know you're at all in and i know that you saw this show for match of the weekend it sounds like your top two matches of this evening were Will and Shingo as well as Ishii and Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Do either of those qualify for you as your overall match for the weekend, or did you like something on All In better? Um, I think from a match quality standpoint, I would probably take one of these Rev Pro matches over All In. Uh, yeah. But I, I did love like Young Bucks FTR, uh, Osprey and Jericho. Um, those are probably my two favorites from All In. Gotcha. All right, cool. Well, that's going to do it for coverage of Rev Pro 11th anniversary. We've got some news items since we're talking about All In. Um, Will Ospreay defeated Chris Jericho in front of 80,000-plus fans at All In. And, uh, Jeremy, you were there. Yeah, man. All In, it was a great 
live event experience. Uh, definitely had that, you know, WrestleMania big vibe feel. It's big stadium, 81,000 fans. Just, just great fun atmosphere. There was energy all throughout. And I know it didn't, probably didn't sound like that on, on the production, which I'm hearing from some people. But, yeah, we, we were loud. People were singing. It, it was a really fun time. And this Osprey-Jericho match, Osprey got this huge, monstrous reaction. And all there were a lot of people like, oh, nobody's going to come to see Osprey. Nobody cares about it. who is this Osprey guy. I heard Paul White was, made some comments on the pre-show talking about, yeah, you know, this Will Osprey kid, blah, blah, blah. But, dude, this man came out here, hometown, big reaction. They treated this man like he's a living legend, which he is. And all the pyro. Bro, bro the, the moment... The moment he walked out, he easily had, for my ears, one of the three loudest pops of the entire night. Mm -hmm. The other two being probably Adam Cole and MJF, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And the presentation of him coming out with the new fit, all written out. His gear was so raw. Um, The pyro, everything about it just screamed to me. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Cody at WrestleMania mm. when it was like Vince is rolling out the red carpet. Tony Khan is rolling out the red carpet for this guy. And if anybody had any doubts about where he's going next, like just don't be shocked if it's AEW <laughs> because look at how they've treated him and look at how they booked him. And they had him go out there and like beat Chris Jericho clean as a sheet. And, um, you know, they did have Chris Jericho kick out of the Stormbreaker. I, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else has ever kicked out of that. Uh, Shingo did the uh, the night before. Oh, did was, he? Yeah, which was nuts, yeah. Okay, because I can't recall anybody having ever done that before. Yeah, that was like a, I think very, I'm trying to think if anybody's done it in New Japan. But yeah, they had the Rev Pro show. Shingo kicked out of the, the Stormbreaker, and then Osprey kicked out of the, 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 the uh, Last of the Dragon. Uh, did did you see the build to this match and the go home? No, you didn't see any of it. No, I wa- I watched the YouTube recap before I went to All In, so I saw that like Jericho said yes, he was going to join the Don Cal's family, but then uh, it was all set up to get Jericho close to Don, so then Don could bring in Osprey to take out well, Jericho. That's not quite what it was, actually. This is what you don't know. Do, do, okay, <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. So here's what it is, Jericho. You know, Don wanted Jericho to join. Mm-hmm. They have the solo. They have the the moment where he asks Jericho if he's going to join, and Jericho says yes. Mm-hmm. And Don is like rejoicing. He's like, yes. I guess I. And he pulls. He shows the, the painting of him holding Jericho's head. But the only reason that Don had that commission is because he thought that Jericho was going to say no. He didn't mm-hmm. do it to trick Chris Jericho. He did it because he thought Chris was going to say no being egotistical and all that and it was like his you know he didn't think he was gonna say yes and when he said yes he was like oh perfect let's go <laughs> and he and he's trying to get him out of the ring without looking at the picture gotcha okay and jericho's like well, let's see what you got for me over here <laughs> <laughs> and he's like no 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 no. he's like that was from a fan somebody messed up it's not ready but he's like dude come on like you know and then and then it popped and then he's like oh what is it you're you're holding my severed head oh okay so you were gonna back you know you're gonna backstab me it's like i thought you were gonna say no (laughs) (laughs) and then you know he brings in jericho he brought in osprey as a hired hand 
to take out Jericho because he 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 was anticipating Jericho screwing him. Mm, okay. Yeah. But the and all that's a little convoluted, but the actual go home segment on this last Wednesday's Dynamite was incredible. I did see I did watch a promo for that, the contract signing. The Bro, the, the fans promo. are trying to trying to give the what treatment to uh Osprey. He shut that shit down. He's like, don't <laughs> Don't interrupt me, bro. You don't know what I've gone through to get here. He's like, I got a four-year-old son at home. <laughs> oi, oi, hey, bro. <laughs> oi, oi. Shut that shit down now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and he's like, I'm working at Indy the night before. I'm going to change my life. <laughs> Yeah, I, and then and you know, and Jericho like was masterful on the mic too, talking about like he's like, "You think you're the best? I've got to prove that I'm the best. I need this win." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> biggest crowd I've ever performed in front of. And it, um, interesting, he mentioned that they were supposed to face a uh, 2021 Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, AEW borrowing from New Japan storylines and lore. <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> it's not the only thing they're they're going to take from us. Um, <laughs> Putting that aside, though, um, I did think it was interesting that in the build-up to the match, Jericho's complete babyface wills the heel. It's laid out on television very clearly that that's the case. And then they audibled on the night of because Will is completely babyfaced by his countrymen and Jericho has to like go heelish and like I don't even think quasi heelish. I think he was like pretty much a full on heel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, given the crowd the, the finger, they had a Sammy use the baseball bat on Osprey. Yeah, and um, and I think that that's one of those things where like the match was fantastic, and I kind of had this this same criticism a lot of the night where like the booking didn't always make sense or line up with what I envisioned from the company and the the lead up to it. That was one of those like little small nitpicky things but in a vacuum the match itself incredible chris jericho incredible yeah there were a couple mistimed spots at the tail end of the match but bro that uh hurricane rana pin out oh my gosh dude yeah i i popped yeah, for bro. that <laughs> yeah like i was i was blown away and like jericho jericho like worked his ass off and anybody that like doubt again as as one nation radio likes to say Never, Never doubt Chris, Chris Jericho. Jericho. Yeah, great match. What did you uh, rate that match? I seen a few people a little bit lower than. That. I was like four and a half. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I thought it was to me. I thought it was the best match of the night. I thought it was the most special match of the night, and the only it was one of the only things in the show that, while the show was great, the the matches were great pretty much for the most part, almost across the board. Very little on the show hit on the level of like giving me the wrestlemania feel you know what i mean yeah or the wrestle kingdom feel this was the one match of the evening that gave me like the butterflies where i was like damn i'm watching a classic yeah and, it was um, great yeah it was really great will wins um adds another head to his collection in a very short succession he's just he's having an incredible year yeah and o- I, omega I think he's, Okada, I think he's on his way out jericho He's got um, Marifuji next. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing, um, I, I'm not going to get into the all-in shit. I, I, you know, it, it's not the time <laughs> or place. We don't got the time. It's episode 300 of Kiss. It's a New Japan podcast. I didn't love the show. I especially didn't love the main event. I would say 
if you've listened to Voices of Wrestling's instant reaction show or um, One Nation Radio from this past week, thank you to those gentlemen for making me not feel crazy <laughs> in how I felt about the show. Um, but putting all that aside, there was other news that did come out of the press conference where Tony Khan announced that on the anniversary of Antonio Inoki's, and actually, I'm sorry, before we move into that, is there anything else you want to talk about the show or anything since you were there live, your experience? I mean, overall, I'll just say overall, I thought the show was great. I thought it was an, I thought it was an incredible show. I thought there was multiple notebook matches on the show. Uh, the main event, you know, I did miss like the last two weeks of the build, but the energy from the crowd was just incredible and i enjoyed watching the main event live maybe it would have been different if i was watching it at home like you guys and maybe would have had a more like analytical eye but i was just kind of wrapped up in the live event experience and overall i thought, I thought it's gonna go it's gonna go down as, as a great show i know people yeah very polarizing main event but i don't think that main event was in a way could hurt the overall show i thought also overall the show was great for me from beginning to end Thought there was great pacing, like you mentioned. Osprey, great reaction. Adam Cole, MJF, great reaction. I thought Kenny Omega got a really loud reaction in that trios match, and to me, that's more a kind of mind-blogging thing. Like, why do you? Why is Kenny Omega essentially, yeah. essentially in a, a road to? And it was a great trios match, but yeah. it was a, a road to match to build to Kenny and Kanosuke next weekend, and you should have had a, a big singles Kenny Omega match in the, on this venue. There's a lot I could say about that main event, and now it's not the time or place. <laughs> yeah, so, but I will say, I've been sick to my stomach over it for the past few days, and I think it might be, for me, the most disgusting display and embarrassing display of a world title championship main event I've ever seen in my life. Mm. It, it was on the gender level. <laughs> wow. It was on the gender versus Randy Orton in the Punjabi prison level. Whew. <laughs> yeah 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 I, i'm not watching uh I'm, I'm just telling you right now like i'm aew they're going into the wwe rotation thing i watch the big shows maybe but i'm not until there is a storyline a match or a promo that people are like this is can't miss you gotta tune in i'm not tuning in. i'm not watching their tv there, there's no way there's no fucking way <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they have too many great wrestlers. It's still, a lot of great wrestling for me to compete. Bro, WWE's got so many great wrestlers too. It's the same. But they don't. The their out. Shit. Their output of matches is nowhere near the output of great matches AEW has. Yeah, but bro, that match, that <laughs> match. Oh my god. Anyway, so Tony Khan announced that on the anniversary of Antonio Noki's passing, AEW is doing a pay per view on Sunday, October first, called Wrestle Dream. In honor of Antonio Noki, he did ex- uh, say that he expects participation from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, Jeremy, I did put out a tweet this past week that did get uh, some some positive feedback and a lot of negative feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and it really wouldn't be a prolonged absence on your part if I wasn't getting us in some sort of trouble on the internet <laughs> while you were gone. So... I had to do something that was, you know, to the detriment of the show at some point while you're gone, and I finally did it. Um, thoughts? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of weird uh, for for AEW to want to do uh, an Anoki 
tribute show. And, you know, I, I agree with the, the tweet that you made, but it, especially when New Japan, like you mentioned in the tweet, they have a Cork and Hall show coming up, a part of the Destruction Tour. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's just a, it's not a big Cork in, you know, it's a bunch, a bunch of multi-mans. Well, that's how they build their shows. And they, they got some big Destruction shows coming up. And the main event, it's like a big um, 12-man tag that they've been hyping up and making a big deal about that main event. Uh, and so all all the top stars are booked on that show. So to do this show to, in tribute to the founder of New Japan, expecting there to be New Japan representation, and you're not even, you haven't checked with them, not re- realizing that they have a, a Cork and Hall, they have a show that day, like, we were talking about this earlier. The only way for top stars to come over is if they pull people, and they're not going to pull people. They're they're trying to make as much money as possible. They need all the top stars to, to make sure that that corkin sells out. When when I first saw the news that they're doing the show, I actually just retweeted the event because I saw New Japan logo, AEW logo, Wrestle Dream, and in Kobe, and I remembered Wrestle Dream from the '90s, Super World of Sport, WWF. You know, and I was like, oh, shit. And I knew that uh, Tony had grabbed that trademark. So I was like, we're finally getting the Forbidden Door in Japan. And I was stoked. I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, oh, and it's in tribute of Anoki in Japan. This is big news. And then it was like, it's in Seattle, Washington. I was like, what? (laughs) And then I was like, wait, October 1st, let me look at the events page. Oh, New Japan is running a Cork and Hall show. All right, well, let me let me see who's booked for that show. Maybe they've made some allotment, and I'm like, oh, you know, David Finley, the Bullet Club, all of the Bullet Club, um, all of God, all of you know, House of Torture, all of Just Five Guys, all of Lij, <laughs> all of Chaos, Okada, Tanahashi, Strong Style, Strong Styles booked, Nagata's booked, Umino's booked, Watto's booked, Okan. Almost all of uh, United Empire, you know, Tanahashi, Shingo, Suji, they're all they're all booked, bro. Ishii's booked, like even Minoru Suzuki's booked. And I'm like, who the fuck are they gonna bring? And then and then, <laughs> and then it dawns on me, it's like, oh, what are the big names that are available? You got ELP, you got Zack Saber Jr., you got Will Osprey. Oh, that's that's convenient that the three biggest westerns you know, English speaking stars are all free that day and available. That's, that's interesting. And their contracts are coming up. That's just a coincidence. That's weird. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you think to yourself, well, you know, they could have some new Japan representation. Any, any guy that I didn't mention that's off. So like, I don't know who that could be. Like maybe what Doki, I don't know. <laughs> uh, could you nope. nope. He's booked. Yeah. They can bring in, they can bring in lions. They can bring in some dads. Or they can bring in guys from Strong. That's about it. But nothing about that screams Antonio Anoki. <laughs> oh, they, uh, what is uh, Kushida on the card? They could bring in Kushida from from um, <laughs> Impact. They can bring in Kevin Knight. Like you know what I mean? Like th- there's so few Japanese uh, stars available. And here's the other thing too. Why the fuck do they want to honor Antonio Inoki anyways? <laughs> How is he in any way connected to all elite wrestling? Now, I get them wanting to honor, you know, say, let's say Owen Hart. That makes sense. 
his oh, families. Act- actually, uh, Kushida and uh, Kevin Knight are in that main event. So, the- oh, <laughs> so even they're not available. Wow, and so, and so is ELP. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, they could bring over. Oh, ELP's in that main event. Yeah, it's Kevin Knight, Kushida, ELP, Hikaleo, and so it's like it's like Zach and Will. And then a few a few guys like Rocky and the strong guys, and, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And even like um even like what's his face? Um uh Leo Rush is on this tour too, and he's not available. Right. So it's like, why the fuck are you trying to honor Antonio Inoki? Like, do you want to honor Vince Sr.? We're gonna have tribute shows for Baba next, Sam Muchnick. You wanna do you wanna do <laughs> tribute shows for, for Vern Gagne? You wanna do one for Carlos Colon? Like, what are we doing? You know? That doesn't make there. If you're going when, if you want to do one for 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 Anoki, do one for Paco Alonso. While you're at it, you know. Yeah. When Vince McMahon Senior or Junior dies, let's have a Vinnie Mac Memorial <laughs> Show hosted by <laughs> AEW. Oh my gosh! Because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, and this is something that I know. I know I got some flack for my for my uh, post, but they're missing the point. But Antonio Noki has nothing to do with AEW in any form or fashion. And I don't think his family, unless something that comes up, his family's not tied to this. New Japan might have some involvement, but as it stands, they have an entire cork and hall booked. And I know it's not Wrestle Kingdom. I know it's not Dominion. It's not a G1 final, but it is an integral part of their business. And they're, And anybody that knows anything about New Japan knows they're not going to make changes to the card to accommodate Tony Khan and wrestle dream. They're not going to pull Tanahashi, Okada, Naito, Suzuki, any of those guys that are known in the, in the States, they're not pulling them. So I don't understand what the real authentic involvement to honor Antonio Noki is. Now, granted, the best thing they got is Shibata. Yeah, they got Shibata and he's already over there. He, he's like basically working for their company. Um, it is possible, and I'll say this disclaimer, this could be New Japan's fault because they don't have the best track record of open communication and you know um, having things all put together. It could have been something where Tony and them told them that they wanted to do this. New Japan was like, okay, yeah, 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 we're going to do it. Meanwhile, they've completely forgotten that they've got a Cork and Hall show going on, and then, and then it's like, oh, plans are screwed. But it sounds to me like... Tony did this and then told them after the fact, and this is just speculation, but this is what my gut tells me and was like, can you guys come and give us a helping hand? And they're like, well, we don't really have anyone available. And he's like, I'll take Zach and Will. <laughs> and, and, you know, you can bring in some strong guys. And they're like, all right, I guess we'll, we'll do the best we can. And then he's like, we're going to have. And the other thing, too, is I think that he got that Wrestle Dream name with the intentions of doing a Japanese show. Mm-hmm. And probably for whatever reason they they're not ready to do it, and he was like, "Well, I'm gonna use the fucking name. I I paid for it, right?" <laughs> and then they're like, "Well, how how do we want to do that?" And he's like, "October first, Anoki died. Let's it's it's an honorary show for Antonio Anoki." And they're like, "But it's called Wrestle Dream. That's a Tenru and Vince show. It has nothing to do with him. Antonio Anoki Memorial <laughs> Show." <laughs> Like I don't understand I don't understand how that's not exploitative to attach his name 
and great. I, I've seen some people talk about it and be like, well, it's just, you know, it, it's carny speak. It's, it's just good promotion. Yeah. But how is it tied to the guy that has no connection to the company? And did you clear it with his family? Did you clear it with the company that he founded? Are, are your Japanese partners involved? How, how, you know, there, it, to me, it just seems, it seems like a cash grab. Yeah. But don't worry, all the top New Japan guys will be there. Kenny Omega, <laughs> Switchblade Jay White, Kota Ibushi, Gmenton Shibata, Young Bucks, Juice Robinson, former IWGP US champion. You could go on and on. Lance Archer. Best friends. Best friends. You know, the Young Bucks. The list goes on. Here's the thing about that. This is a company that they, I don't want to say like, oh, New Japan is the reason that they exist or whatever. Like they've done a lot on their own. But they are starting to grab stars from New Japan. They are kind of turning New Japan into a feeder system. And they've already co-opted storylines and lore from New Japan to when it's convenient for them to fuel their storylines. And now they want to also take from their legacy and, and utilize their their founder's name for a memorial for to to basically make money to do a paper to do a pay-per-view show mm-hmm. it doesn't sit right with me and i i think that there are other fans out there that are just like new japan versus AEW. shut the fuck up we're getting a cool show and it's like yeah but it, it's still wrong yeah i mean well what's the intent behind it maybe it's not malicious but at the end of the day they're looking to make money and it's not right to make money off the name of a guy that you're not tied to in any way. I just don't get it. Yeah. It's kind maybe, of like, maybe I'll be proved wrong when it's all said and done. That's possible. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Uh, the Greg Hamilton dude, you know, making an Instagram post about Bray Wyatt and being like, Oh, can I get my, can I get my job back? It's like, yeah. Uh, the fuck? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, next bit of news, um, and we covered this a little bit last week, but we could talk about it for the fiscal year that just ended. New Japan generated $36.4 million in revenue and posted a $1.6 million profit. Stardom generated $10.53 million in revenue and posted a $1.72 million profit. Both companies increased revenue this year. So, yeah, big deal for, for the company. I do know, like you mentioned, uh, the Bushiroad Road stock overall is down 36%, but that's not because of uh, New Japan or Stardom, but... Good stuff here for New Japan Stardom, increasing their it, it, profit. These numbers are, in context, softer than what the companies were both collectively doing prior to the pandemic, but they're both improved over pandemic years. Yeah, so definitely both companies heading in the, the right direction here. A lot of ground still make up, but uh, definitely more positive than we've seen in the last few years. Yo, Tsuji is confirmed for Royal Quest 3. Um, Super Tag League 2023 and Power Struggle schedule has been set. It starts with the Sayatama uh, on October 21st and all concludes on November 4th in Osaka. In other news, there was an announcement this past week on MLW Fusion's episode that the promotion revealed that there's a partnership between um, MLW and New Japan that's going to kick off this coming Sunday, September 3rd at Fury Road. Uh, airing live on Fight TV Plus, the agreement between the two promotions appears to involve talent trading as New Japan's Kushida was announced for Fury Road, where he will take on Tony Deppin. Uh You know what this means? Satoshi Kojima coming, <laughs> coming back for the MLW world title, baby. Let's go. 
Eddie Kingston's New Japan Strong title defense will be against Aaron Hanare on September 28th at Las Vegas at Samstown on a show that's also going to include Sonata, Naito, Tanahashi, Tamatanga, Mystico, Atlantis, Sobrano Jr., Stephanie Vaquar, and Julia. Hiromu Takahashi will be competing in DDT's Ultimate Party 2023 at Sumo Hall. He also had a title uh, challenge at uh, Arena Mexico for Mystico's uh, historic world title this past weekend and ended in a draw. So looks like they might be doing more matches against one another. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a return match there or in Japan going forward. Nice. Uh, Sonata defeated Jake Something at Impact's Emergence this past weekend. It was announced that Will Ospreay is going to make his Impact Wrestling return at Bound for Glory. Satoshi Kojima was successful in winning All Japan's 10th Odu tournament, which I, I saw the trophy. I don't really know the context. Do you? I have no idea. <laughs> Satoshi Kojima, trophy winner. That's right. All Japan Pro Wrestling. Get that man the Hall of Fame. New Zealand's Dojo presents their second Lions Den in September 2nd. And then uh, I guess we're going to uh, end on sad news here as the passings of Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt took place this week. There were a, a lot of other wrestling-related deaths, but these were two of the bigger ones in the wrestling world and uh, very, very unfortunate to hear about. Yeah, definitely a, a very sad week last week with the passing of, of both Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, uh, both guys who had uh, influence in, in wrestling in, in two different ways, and also we we know just the, the long story career of Terry Funk. Um, I mean, growing up as a kid, my my first uh, interaction with Terry Funk, my first remember, memory of Terry Funk is him as a uh, Chainsaw Charlie and uh, WWF with the whole the tag team feud against the with him and Foley against the New Age Outlaws, but also. As I got older as a fan, you know, going back and watching some of his great uh, promos and rivalries and stuff like that, his time in Japan and, you know, all the stuff that he's done here in America, um, just absolutely legendary career. Uh, you know, we will always have the forever, forever, <laughs> and, you know, him calling people Mexican dogs. There's also so many great Terry Funk stories, matches, rivalries, and promos. So, yeah, definitely, I know he's. Had a lot of health issues uh, the last several years. So, yeah, very sad uh, news about him. And then also Bray Wyatt dying um, at 36 years old from a heart attack. Uh, another, you know, also a guy gone way too young. And whether you like Bray or not, you can't deny that he had a fan base. Um, people loved the Wyatt family. People loved The Fiend. The, the QR code gimmick he did when he came back this last year. Um, people thought he was a creative genius. He definitely um, had an impact and influence on, on wrestling and was one of the top guys in WWE. Um, so definitely sad that he's gone at such a young age. Yeah, it, it was very, very saddening to hear about Terry Funk's death, but I knew that it was probably an inevitability. I mean, it is for everybody, but he'd been in poor health the last few years. Right, it wasn't and, a surprise uh, like the Bray one. Yeah, the, the Bray Wyatt one was just completely shocking to me um very very shocking and uh gone too soon um you know just uh it's horrible horrible to hear about that and um honestly i mean i i probably and i'm not trying to toot my own horn but like of anybody that's involved with this network i'm probably the the 
most informed and knowledgeable individual when it comes to Terry Funk and probably seen the most footage of him. And even I, as legendary as his careers, don't feel capable of necessarily having, uh, being the one to, you know, discuss his legacy and everything he did because he was so, um, you know, important, influential. I did think I caught the guys over at Voices Wrestling. They did a what I thought was a fantastic uh, obit uh, coverage of his life and death uh, this past week. I think they went almost two hours plus and, you know, honestly probably could have gone another two hours uh, on something like that. That's how important he was. So uh, very saddened to hear about both of their passings and uh, thoughts and, you know, are with their families. Yeah. Um, so it looks like, and I'm looking at the schedule here, it looks like we don't have any New Japan shows between this week and next week. And it looks like the road to destruction, as far as aired shows, is going to begin Friday, September 8th. So I'm supposing next week's show will be a preview of uh, Road to Destruction and you know probably discussing the rest of the Destruction Tour. Yeah, that's the plan. Sounds good. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we... Before we end the 300th episode of so, Keeping It Strong Style, recommended uh, match of the week. What are we? What are we doing there? You know, I just kind of was like, eh, <laughs> we're watching all in. We're watching these guys over <laughs> in the UK, even though I didn't actually watch them. I just, I, that's enough. That's enough. I, oh, you know, that's another thing. I've just been kind of been doing uh, excursion matches the whole time you've been gone. So, you know. All right, so yeah. we'll uh, pick back up with that. The regular rotation next week. Yeah, we can pick it up next week. You know, it's it is what it is. We got a hurricane coming. And... Uh, well, yeah. Uh, before we go, just once again, thank you to everybody who has helped make this show a success. You know, it's funny. Um, the other day when I was driving, you know, I plugged my phone uh, into you know the car, just listen to stuff, to music, and somehow the first episode of Keeping in Strong Style got into my music library and I just listened to that and I was like, man, it was so, so crazy listening back to the first episode and just how like, you know, we had no real like full running like we have now. And like, and we were just getting into it. It was so crazy and such great memories listening back to the first episode and just how much we've gotten better and evolved since then. So uh, we have, but I listened to that first episode not too long ago. And you know, what's the crazy thing about it? What? We were fucking good from day one. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, like, I, I don't go back and listen to old episodes too often, but there have been a few times where I've gone back and listened, and I'm like, damn, not only were we good, we were right. We were right, yes. <laughs> we were right a lot of the time. Like, it's crazy. Oh, man. It's weird. Like, we'll, I'll, I'll forget because we – one thing I do on this show is like I come here and I have the thoughts, they're all bottled up and then we spit them out. And once it's out and it's released, I kind of just don't think about it too much anymore. Mm -hmm. So I don't always remember what I've said or, or whatever. And I'm not like scorekeeping too much unless I, sometimes I do, but for the most (laughs) part, not really. So I don't always remember all the, I'm sure there's probably a lot of times we're wrong. Um, But there's a lot of times we're right. And when I listen back to old episodes, I'm like, fuck, we were like, we were seeing the tea leaves and calling <laughs> this shit long time ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I, and you know what? I think part of the reason that we're so good, a lot of it's the diligent work that you do. I think a lot of it is probably like the other shows and influences that 
you know, led to us even doing this show in the first place. Some of it's just our natural chemistry and passion for the product. And then, um, you know, I think a lot of it too has to do with your, your background and broadcasting and, uh, you know, the production value that, that you've, uh, upped over the years uh, and everything like that. So, you know, and we cover a good product. I, this show would probably suck if we were covering like <laughs> something else, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. And I'll see, you know, from day one, you've been great on, on the news and the, the history of new Japan and, you know, anybody has in time, people have questions about the past and stuff like that. You've definitely been a great part of that. We're, we're a great team. We've got, you know, different strengths that make this show great and, Again, thank you for everybody that's uh, been a fan over the years. Uh, make sure you guys that are fans, make sure you're leaving your ratings interview, especially on our, our Keeping a Strong Style, our individual Apple podcast feed. Uh, please leave some uh, reviews on that. Spotify, keep the reviews and ratings coming on there as well. Bro, send us a gift. Yeah, you know, it's 300 episodes. If you, you want to 300 us, episodes. Uh, you know, three three cents, $3, $300. This is a lot of work. $3,000. Uh, <laughs> uh, support your boys. Help the show uh, keep going strong. And, yeah, you know, like Rocky said, you know, hopefully, you know, here for, you know, another 300 episodes. <laughs> we will be. Um, are you going to watch the G1 or not? Nah? Yes, because um, obviously I want to make sure you know, when it comes voting season that I, I, I fairly vote. I don't want to slight Osprey Naito or Okada Naito, so I will watch those matches, get my star ratings plugged in, and make sure that I can vote on those when uh, year-end award season comes, which is only a few months away when you think about it. I was going to say, I'm pretty much ready to, to award the August match in Wrestle of the Month, <laughs> but uh, I didn't know if I needed to give you some time to uh you know try and catch up or how you plan to do that or whatever yeah i'll maybe try and watch them uh this weekend but i mean yeah we'll, we'll, we'll save it next week we'll do the august uh, i think it's locked up to be honest with you, yeah we'll see okay all right guys well thank you for the show yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be it thank you for listening like you said next week we'll be back to preview the start of the destruction tour so if you enjoyed today's show please consider making a donation visit socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the keeping a strong style logo make sure you connect with us on social media on twitter the show is at ki strong style you can follow the network at suplex follow me at jeremy l donovan Follow us on Facebook at Social Suplex. Also, join our Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at KI Strong Style. Follow us on Reddit. I'm the pro black guy. I'm just keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We've got One Nation Radio with Rich Adam and James Boyd. And all things elite with Floyd Johnson Jr. and Austin Summerwitz. So we do have some openings here on the network. I know somebody's already reached out to me. So if uh, anybody out there is interested in covering something that's not already covered on the network, you want to cover WWE, you want to cover Ring of Honor, Tokyo Joshi Pro, MLW, Pro Wrestling Noah, whatever it is. If you want to join our network, hit me up, email me, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we'll catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. It's a bomb, B. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.